genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And today we are continuing our miniseries through the X-Men franchise with the 1983 set sequel to Days of Future Past 2016's X-Men Apocalypse. And we have a guest joining us to talk about Egyptian gods losing your hair and learning through television is writer, podcaster, Michael Nixon from the Games of Rassilon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Strangely, I feel like I'm knowledgeable on all three of those topics. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a good one. Great. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, this works out well. I was worried I'd, I'd only be useful for my, my useless social media knowledge that will come in later. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, sure. Raw. Great. Let's rock. I love Stargate. Clearly, so do the makers of this film. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. Michael, we like to start by asking our guests uh, about what their like personal relationship history with the X-Men in general are. Do you have like an origin story with the X-Men? Yeah, I have kind of a weird one, honestly. Well, the or the, the beginning of it, I think, is pretty common. I, I watched the 90s cartoon like most people and went, oh, well, this rules. Uh, this mm-hmm. is great stuff. I love it. I agree with the president of Fox at the time. I cried at the finale of the X-Men animated series. Uh, it was a great episode. That's a fun, true story, by the way. I love that story. And yeah, I, I think you're going to ask me later what my favorite mutant is. Definitely Magneto. Started mm-hmm. early. Love that guy. Voiced by, I think, David Hemblem. Hemblem? In the show, oh. that guy rocks. He shows up in Earth Final Conflict, a show that mercifully a lot of people don't remember. But yeah, it was it was the show for me. And then uh, as I started becoming a regular comics reader, I got really into the controversially from your first episode for Wally. I guess I really liked the Morrison Quitely new X Men run. Mm-hmm. It basically was the thing that got me into the X Men because before that, I found them pretty impenetrable and kind of lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just for- read that mm-hmm. all the way through for the first time, like just before starting this miniseries. And when he was like, I hated that run, I was like, what? I was listening to the episodes. I was listening to the earlier episodes. And when Wally mentioned, sorry, Wally, you're, you're clearly a nice guy. I feel like <laughs> you've been dragged like a little bit. And I don't mean to do that at all. But when he was like, it felt like Morrison and Quietly were taking the piss on the X-Men. I was like, what are you talking about? That is not <laughs> what that run is at all. It is like a yeah. loving modernization. And, and um, I think... Being so into New X-Men really kind of affected, and I had seen the movies before, obviously, but it affected my thoughts on the movies as like, oh, the movies have this unique opportunity to tell an X-Men story without worrying about the rest of Marvel. So they could actually do the thing that Morrison introduces, which is which is like the opening issue of New X-Men, it's five years, humans are gone. Like that rules. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's great. And they've never cashed that check. Like mm-hmm. no iteration of Marvel has or is going to cash that check. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when the movies could have 
movies could have done it the next day. Like it, yeah. there's nothing to stop them. It was really frustrating. Anyway, uh, several, many further years down the line, I uh, was working at an ad agency and I switched to a different job at a smaller ad agency because they uh, were working agency social media for Fox, uh, particularly their franchise stuff. Um, so for about a year and a half, I worked on Alien. I worked on Planet of the Apes. I worked on... Back then, Prometheus was a separate property. I got to merge. I was the guy who merged the Facebook pages. Like I pressed merge, (laughs) which is so weird because it was like after a a year of meetings that were like Alien and Prometheus are two separate titles that we're treating as separate things. And like by the end of it, they were like, it's all one world, baby. Mm -hmm. Let's merge. Let's merge the streams. Yeah, it's great. Alien Covenant coming soon. Can we change the movie to Alien colon Prometheus whenever it reruns on FX? Yep. (laughs) Uh, that's I was there when they decided that. Yes, uh, the third movie w- I was going to be called something, and I was like, "That's the ship in Stargate Universe." You want to change that title? And they were like, "Oh, Paradise, right?" Uh, no, uh, Destiny. Destiny. Damn. But don't quote me on that. Oh wait, I'm being recorded. Oh crap. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the X Men, like one of the final projects I worked on at that agency for Fox was uh, the X Men Movies app, which was launched right before Apocalypse. Uh, excuse me, right before Apocalypse came out. Um, and that the, the idea of that app and sort of the idea generally of what I was doing in social media was bridging the gap between theatrical releases. So the idea was this app would launch during Apocalypse and it would uh, ride the wave of Apocalypse with all this great influencer content and all this cool user-generated uh, user stuff mm-hmm. and uh, ride that wave all the way from the release of Apocalypse down as far as we needed to to the release of Gambit. Um, so (laughs) as you can tell, things didn't go to plan. Um, influencer content pretty much dried up. I got to go to WonderCon. You got to go to WonderCon? Yeah, I got to go to WonderCon officially. I had a little clipboard. I had people sign things. I met a bunch of very, very enthusiastic X-Men cosplayers. Uh, it was a great time. There was a guy, uh, could you imagine, could you imagine an X-Men cosplayer who wasn't enthusiastic, was just like. This sucks. Like, I met, but like, don't worry. I met some of those too. Like we had to get everybody an X Men Yeah, whatever. In like full Oscar yeah, Isaac apocalypse. Like, yeah, well, there were none of those, uh, uh, as you might imagine. <laughs> but it, there was definitely a a a gamut between like I, I like this outfit and guy who came up to me and was like, I definitely think I am the choice for the next Wolverine. How do I? How who do I get in touch from you to talk to about being the new Wolverine? And I was like. It's not going to happen. I feel like there's one of those guys at every comic con. Like I like there's a Wolverine dude who just takes himself very, very seriously that like Wolverine and Batman are like the two cosplayers that like, they're like, it's going to be me. I'm the next one for some reason. I don't know what it is about, about those two characters in particular, but I guess, I guess all the Punisher cosplayers just become cops. I don't know. Right. Um, Yeah. Anywho. Uh, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so we worked on this X-Men app for a chunk of time. It launched it. Uh, it was, it was not a great time for branded apps, but everybody was making them. So it did yeah. as well as you might expect and, uh, still waiting on Gambit. So I don't know. <laughs> and day. then by the end of 2016, I think it w- uh, was the year we were doing all that. Um, the, the Fox moved into theatrical phase on everything we were working on. So like they just, they literally were like, we're sunsetting our relationship with your agency. Now is it. Wow. So yeah, and I've been right. paying from agency to agency since then, and now I'm working at Sony, which is weird, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I'm trapped in the web of Spider-Man. Another one step removed from Marvel Studios. 
Yeah, exactly. I left yeah. the X-Men Cinematic Universe, and now I'm in the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters, according to Wikipedia and no one else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I call it the Spumpkin. Yeah, um, of course. Right. Spumpk. Terrible name. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia editor F- Franz John 226. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Well, when we, uh, when we last left uh, our dear listeners, we were just coming off of the heels of one of, if not the most beloved, critically acclaimed X-Men movies in the whole canon. Speaking, of course, about Deadpool. Yes. Uh, Deadpool came out in February. This movie came out Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And Days of Future Past was like the last proper X-Men movie, I guess. Like, a, you know, team movie, so to speak. And that one was a big hit, too. Not as big a hit as Deadpool, but a pretty big hit. Yeah. Mike, what, what, did you, were you a fan of Days of Future Past? Just as a just a real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I, I'm interested to hear your episode on it. I think my love of that movie is colored by just Ian McKellen looking fantastic in a half cape. Like you can pretty much sell me on a flick if you throw Ian McKellen in that outfit. Sometimes I just Google that outfit at home and yeah, I'm like, yeah. God, that is the one good thing about this flick. Unquestionably, future suits, <laughs> mwah, very nice, yeah. chef's kiss. And by the end of the movie, he became a hero in a half cape. Mm-hmm. There you go. Nice. Beautiful. (laughs) So uh, um, something that I didn't know upon the recording of our Days of Future Past episode with Jason that I was super proud of when when we were done is um, Singer was actually already hyping Apocalypse before Days of Future Past had come out. When I saw that stinger at the end of Days of Future Past with like Baby Apocalypse, that blew my mind. I had no idea that that was in the cards. But in December of 2013 from his personal Twitter account that he had been doing all like the days of future past cast bombs that we were talking about last time. Yeah. He tweeted quote, hashtag X-Men hashtag apocalypse 2016 exclamation point. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, several days later in, in December news was like officially released through the trades that yeah, Simon Kinberg was going to be working on the script with Dan Harris and Michael Dowdry, Dordry, right? The writers of X2. And they were right. going to be collaborating with Brian Singer as writer-producer on the script for X-Men Apocalypse. In January of 2014, Singer was quoted in Entertainment Weekly saying that he was still deciding if he was going to direct Apocalypse. He also had a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie gestating. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about I remember that now. Yeah. yeah they kept attaching him hmm. stu- to reboot stuff. They were like turning him into the next J.J. Abrams for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. a great way to get some free development money. That's yeah. the reason. Uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but Singer was quoted as saying that uh, so uh, Kinberg was the one who announced that it was going to be set in 1983 and completing the trilogy started with First Class and continuing with Days of Future Past. Uh, Singer saw it as a conclusion of all six films while also being a potential rebirth and the true birth of the X-Men. And if it sounds like some of those things are colliding into one another... It was certainly a hint of what was to come. Mm, okay. There's a really cool Collider interview in September of 2015, uh, still leading up to the movie. We're now post Days of Future Past, where Kinberg saw it as the culmination of the four leads of this trilogy, being Michael Fassbender, uh, James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, and Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. That this third movie would pay off those relationships and that drama in a satisfying way. And with Apocalypse, it would be the big world ending stakes, but still a lot of like character drama. Mm-hmm. 
They certainly attempted to do all of those things. That is true. <laughs> Attempt is a good word, genuinely. There is yeah. effort being made to like wrap everything up in this movie. Definitely. Uh, Mike, yeah. I don't want to spoil the ending, but how immediately after that were they like, oh, wait, we can squeeze out a Dark Phoenix flick out of this? Well, that's what's uh, so... The talk of like, this being like an ending feels so empty. Yeah. yeah. There was none of that by the time I was working on this thing. It was uh, like, next chapter in the saga, doing Dark Phoenix. It's, the, it's setting us up for the next guy. Like, they were yeah. talking about going to the 90s. There was none of that by the time... Yeah. I, well, I mean, this is all still pre-Days uh, of Future Past, so... Yeah, I'm curious yeah. when the switch flips. Mm-hmm. Because... And there's also contract stuff that, mm. unfortunately, won't, won't need to get into until Dark Phoenix, but mm-hmm. the... Let's just say the megastars of this franchise would need some coaxing into to return for Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So in the making of this one, this could very well have been seen as like a last rodeo going into production. Kinberg saw the movie as uh, a way to keep going with like X-Men in different genres. He said X-Men First Class was a spy movie. Days of Future Past was a time travel movie. And X-Men Apocalypse would be a Roland Emmerich style disaster movie. Mm. He was like the X-Men have never in, in the movies have never been in like this big Transformers multi-continental disaster type world ending scenario. So like, let's put them in there and we'll, we'll get into beat by beat. We'll talk about the movie, but like that feels kind of like most movies, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say two of the genres you described uh, there are not actually genres. Like a time travel movie is just like, that's a plot device. That's, not, that's like a genre. <laughs> right. What are, you, what are you talking about? And then a Roland Emmerich disaster movie. Again, that's not a genre. That is a, a deeply specific yeah. one director's yeah. thing. And yeah. like you had Brian Singer do, well, I don't know, like a third of it. I guess we'll get into that later. But oh, for sure. Yeah. Like it was, I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah, because because what? what it what it ends up amounting to, right, is like again, we'll go into the beat for beat, but like the thing I kept being reminded of watching this is like, oh, this is like a bad remake of the Mummy. Mm-hmm. They they just turn Apocalypse into the Mummy, yeah. and like it, that's what it is. It's just the Mummy, and that is neither a disaster movie or like you know that's it's none of the examples that they brought up. So like it's very strange and unfortunate, I guess, that Simon Kinberg felt like this was the direction that it's going to be, and it obviously diverted from that at some point. So, and I feel like even by 2016, the conversation in film circles, people who care about movies, where even even people who just go to the movies once or twice a year are like, ah, superhero movies. It's like you go everyone, you're going to see like the Eiffel Tower melt or like a bunch right. of cities turn into particles in the sky and it's all the same. Right. And then they, they sit down with their popcorn for X-Men apocalypse and that's exactly what they're getting. Yeah. The apocalypse's power is particle effects. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> His power is he's really good at doing particle effects like yeah. preset. It's on a, on, yeah. 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 And it's unfortunate because it seems like not understanding what makes your property so beloved and unique, which is the ability to go really small and, tell really emotional character centric stories. You don't need to see the X-Men in the war room with a bunch of maps looking up being like, Oh God, have mercy on us all as like a big waves about to drop. <laughs> yeah. I would say too, I don't know. I don't know if you've mentioned this in previous episodes, but like apocalypse is the third main team X-Men movie in a row that suffers from what I call the, and now we're the X-Men problem, which <laughs> is that they have three X-Men movies in a row that, end, including this one that end yeah. with, and now we're the X-Men. And you're like, okay, yeah. cool. So the promise of the next movie is I'm going to come to the theater and watch the X-Men do X-Men shit and be the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And you sit down and it's like, no, they fucked off that lame-ass X-Men shit. You're it's dumb. Fi- they think it's years. dumb. 
Yeah. It's yeah. been 10 years. Everybody quit what they were doing. Everybody <laughs> thought the X-Men was stupid and they went home. And it's like, wait, yeah. but you three movies now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, no, it, it's, it's the Ghostbusters two problem. It's the <laughs> same thing where they're just like, no, it has to be an origin story every single time. Every time we do this, we have to make it a new origin story. Yeah, I was, yeah, I don't know why they try. There's so much stuff they do in this movie, and we'll get into it, where it's like, we're paying off as the third movie in the sequence. We're doing flashbacks. We're doing this. But at the same time, they, like, fully repilot Magneto. Yeah. Like, he's just, like, a new guy. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's unfortunate, yeah. because I remember being a fan, w- walking out of the theater of Days of Future Past on a cloud. Similar to walking out of 09 Star Trek, where it's like, oh, they can do anything. The wind's at their backs. What, like, what's going to happen next? And immediately, like, hobbles itself and tries to restart itself again. Mm-hmm. And with the same old, like, yeah, like, we broke up. Nothing's been the same since whatever happened. And it's like, why? Why can't they? Well, we'll talk about it. Because um, there's, yeah. cool, there's some cool class stuff, cool, like yes. school stuff that I enjoy at the beginning of this movie. Unfortunately first listeners we have to get into the production of this movie so a lot of what i'm about to share is coming after the fact of 2016 after the dust is settled because you know when the movie's getting made it's everyone's job to sell the project to get it made so like oh we had a great time making it everything was fine on october 31st 2018 the hollywood reporter published an article then centered on singer's tumultuous relationship with the bohemian rhapsody production Mm-hmm. Um, but inside of that article, there were quotes and stories that pointed to Apocalypse being, quote, the worst of Brian Singer's erratic onset behavior. An insider who remained anonymous for The Hollywood Reporter said that Singer was emotionally very frail, quote. When he came to set, he was often prepared or late. Uh, when directly challenged about his behavior by other members of the crew, he sometimes cried and just created this kind of really i don't know if you've you know sometimes even that like tears can be used kind of manipulatively you know especially Mm -hmm. when it's like someone who's supposed to be a leader position like if not the leadership position and then you know listeners know this story uh he was still having visitors come from out of town just visiting the set just being there that had no affiliation with the movie that were staying in hotels in canada on singer's own dime Mm -hmm. and just created this environment. In June of 2019, Deadline released an article, again, detailing Brian Singer's behavior in the wake of like Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, his firing from Red Sonja that said that even going back to Days of Future Past, so I didn't, I didn't pick any of this up during my Days of Future Past research because that was kind of closer to the movie's release. But mm-hmm. even on the set of Days of Future Past, Singer would sometimes just not show up, just simply not come to set. And entire days of work on set were quote directed by at any point some combination of producer Hutch Parker, Simon Kingberg, director of photography Newton Thomas Siegel, even editor composer John Ottman, quote, picked up a huge slack on the Days of Future Past set, but was never questioned that he was going to uh, return to direct Apocalypse. And that Hollywood Reporter article that was published on Halloween was sort of asking the question, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good question because it's like, what what is it about his name that is so commercially viable to the studio? Because it's not any of the work that he's doing because he isn't doing any of the work. So, and like, arguably, I would say Days of Future Past looks about like three quarters of a Brian Singer movie, right? This movie is like 
maybe a quarter. Like a quarter of this looks like a Brian Singer movie. The rest of it just looks like a mix mash of like different styles and filmmaking techniques all mashed together in a blender. And there are several times in this, especially the fight in the the torn down city toward the um, Mm -hmm. end of the movie with the really like cheesy special effects and everything and wire work. That stuff looks nothing like any Brian Singer movie that's ever been made. And it's just like, why was it so important that he be the credited director on this to the studio? Because if the studio wanted to fight it, they could have and they could have won easily. But they didn't. And they just let it go out with his name on it as if it was really his movie. And I don't understand it at all. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> okay. I don't have insight into that part either. <laughs> well, I, I, I remember coming to... Days of Future Past in 2013, like the trailers for that movie, they Mm -hmm. were really marketing. That was like the most I had ever seen his name marketed on a project. Yeah. Because it was like telling X fans or maybe non X fans, hey, the guy who directed the first two that everyone loved, he's back. He's back. We got him. Mm -hmm. Bad times are over. And then it was the biggest hit at the time. It right. had like a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like the biggest hit of the summer. Everyone loved it. And again, Hollywood always learns the wrong lessons. They were like, oh, this is he's the goose. We need to keep this dude happy because if we kick him out, we're going to be the dumb, bad studio people that won't trust that. Let the artist be the artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also a change in the conversation from where the studio thought about X-Men in 2000 as like, this is a comic book thing we're embarrassed by and have to make a serious movie out of. Mm-hmm. By 2016, the entire conversation like I was having in social and franchise and all that side was like, we have to, it's all about the fans. Everything's about the fans. There's fans from the classic movie. There's fans from the comic. We have to service all the fans, the fans. And it's like, that's never been like, what are you talking about? Like the whole movie becomes about fan service. And not only does right. it look like, it looks like a big TV pilot, to be honest, half the time. Like the, the shooting is just like. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's like the most expensive CW teen show yeah. you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing all those clips of the Flash do a lightsaber fight. I'm like, wow, they should have gotten those guys for this X-Men movie. Man. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Aobard uh, looks a lot cooler than Apocalypse. And- yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, if they had Tom Cavanaugh and all that stuff, maybe oh, anyway, buddy. it was a different conversation. <laughs> that would be an amazing episode of Mike and Tommy snacks. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. And also at this point in 2016, we're starting to see the dawn of the age of IP where mm-hmm. this, every studio is like gathering their armory of like, okay, who, that, do, yep. who do we have? What characters do we have? And then like Fox has mm-hmm. the X-Men mm-hmm. becomes a lot more valuable than mm-hmm. any individual movie star. Yeah. But yeah, it, and, and it goes on. In Variety Magazine, uh, April of this past year, 2020, Olivia Munn, who stars in X-Men Apocalypse as Psylocke, was being interviewed about the, the state of the Me Too movement mm-hmm. in 2020. Which, hold on, I just want to pause. Oh, please. please. I want to say a positive thing before you get into the negative stuff. Okay. Olivia Munn was so fucking psyched to be in this movie. Do you remember that? When she was yeah. cast and she was just like, I'm going to play Psylocke! Like, she was so excited to be playing this character and then you watch the movie and you're like i don't know for sure but this feels like not what she was hoping for (laughs) does every woman character dirty like i i I accept gene maybe accept gene well there was this video that went viral or you know it went around the social medias that of her outside of her trailer just fucking around with sai 
just like twirling Psy around. Yeah. Yeah. And she just clearly had done like hours and hours and weeks and weeks of sword work. She, oh, she was so fucking pumped. Because, uh, yeah. And, and in this variety story, again, like, so the article was about the double standard between men and women in the industry. And mm-hmm. Olivia Munn brought up being on the set of X-Men Apocalypse. And she's like, I was really pumped. That was my first big movie. I really dove into it and really cared. And she said, Brian Singer went missing for 10 days on set because of a thyroid issue. So he flies back to LA from Montreal and is texting the actors like, hey, I'm not going to be on set. Just film without me. (laughs) Like it's a D&D group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It, it it explains uh, a lot about that, especially that crew, the the horsemen surrounding Apocalypse in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's so many scenes in this movie where they're just standing there watching Apocalypse do shit. Yeah. And, and that's it. No, for sure. Yeah. And, and like it's Storm, you know? Right, right. So Olivia Munn's like, okay, if you're having a thyroid problem, why aren't you going to a hospital in Montreal? Why are you flying all the way back to L.A.? Right. You know, then on the sideline, she opens up her phone one day and sees that Brian Singer is directing Bohemian Rhapsody. And she was like, how? Because she's like, as a woman in in this industry, I've had to like do Kung Fu in my brain every time I open my mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so aware of who I like. I don't want to come off as this. I don't want to see that. I have to earn this and earn that. And then here comes Brian Singer still getting these big offers after just like fucking off for days. Yeah. I guess the point to point to your point of how into it she was. Uh, She recounts this conversation she had with Kinberg and Singer, where she found out that she was the only one who knew that Psylocke had a twin brother. Yeah. She was like, oh, and then, you know, like, what would her brother think? And they're like, what? And she was like, oh, I've done more research than you guys. Uh, I have a tiny piece of insight into that, possibly. Oh, great. Which is is that when I was working at Fox on X-Men, I got to see the X-Men binder, which was literally like a binder of all of the X-Men legal documents. Mm -hmm. And one of those was, there was a thing, they literally called it the DXing protocol, where like 50 characters went from being X-Men to being Avengers, so Fox couldn't touch them and Marvel could. And one of those was Captain Britain. And so as a part of that, I think they couldn't Mm -hmm. use any of the Betsy Braddock side of Psylocke and we're stuck oh. with like just the Lady Mandarin side of Lady uh, of gotcha. Psylocke rather. Got it. Yeah. No, we we, um, we got into how crazy backyard trading card minutia it gets okay. uh, with our Deadpool cool. episode with Preethi. Um, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, I can't but, wait but, to hear but, that. But that's crazy. I didn't know there was literally like an index of like this you can't do this, you can't say that. I mean, there'd have to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> So much to keep track of. I mean, the Quicksilver thing alone, Quicksilver's mm-hmm. in this movie. He was just in Days for Future Past. And in between these two things, you had another version of Quicksilver in Age of Ultron um, a okay. year prior to this. Yeah. yeah. Those two were the ones who were like, everybody could use them. I'm sure you've already yeah. talked about that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, and from my perspective, I was only interested in going through that thing to be like, oh, Captain Pretty, oh, darn, they can't make an Excalibur movie. Like no. stupid Michael <laughs> yeah. thinking that was ever going to happen, right? They can't but like now. No. Can't do it. Yeah, but now, maybe, <laughs> probably still not. And whenever all... I say Captain Britain, people think I'm joking. <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's who Peggy is going to be in What If here in a few weeks. Oh. They're calling her Captain Carter and all the merchandise. So I think oh. they're going to um, skirt around the issue a little yeah, bit. Yeah, skirt, skirt. But that, that's, uh, that's about all I have in the way of um, behind the scenes inside and history. <laughs> so this was a movie a quarter of the way directed by one dude and then directed by whoever was left on set highest on the pecking order 
Yeah. It was usually Simon Kinberg, and that will have a lot to do with why he directs the next X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. When I went and saw this in theaters, I was really excited for it. I remember everyone was like kind of like shitting on the marketing. Remember that early leak or reveal or whatever, the set photo of Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse, and he was purple. You know, the explanation at the time was like, well, he won't look purple in the movie, like obviously, but he needs to look purple on set for lighting reasons or whatever. And then, you know... Later, we find out that, like, they know they probably just color corrected the whole movie. <laughs> and he was definitely purple. There, I think uh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yep. they didn't because he still doesn't really look like Apocalypse. Not really. Yeah. Everyone um, thought he looked like I have a news from the Power Rangers movie. Yes. That was the meme that was going around. Which for sure. I have to say is really rude to uh, the incredible work Paul Freeman did as I have an ooze in the Power Rangers movie. I agree. Uh, uh, Hey, whoa, hey, hey, whoa. Um, I, I wish Oscar Isaac was having that much fun in this movie. Yeah. I Yes, I wish at some point Oscar Isaac twiddled on the flute, said the Brady Bunch reunion, and exploded a neon tube. I wish there was anything <laughs> that rad in this movie. There is not. And I, I we'll get to it later, but I got to read the script. Like, I know a bunch of the stuff that got cut out, too. And oh, like, Can't wait. It was never going to be that fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we were. It was always. It was always. It was always just like fan service cash grab. It, yeah. It's it's crazy. When we get to the Magneto Apocalypse fight, I, the I only thing that I knew that. of Apocalypse going into this was that one. He's like one of the you know top three X Men villains, right? Mm-hmm. And then I knew. <laughs> A little bit from the cartoon, but I didn't watch the cartoon on, on any regular basis the way that I did the Spider-Man cartoon. Usually X-Men happened later in the day and my mom was like, okay, we've got errands to run. So like, I didn't really get to watch X-Men very often. And so I saw parts of the apocalypse stuff from the X-Men cartoon, but that's it. I didn't know much about him. So like when this movie opens in Egypt, I was like, what? <laughs> like instantly I, I was like what's going on what is this you know seeing this movie i re- was remember being really excited about the 80s stuff i was like I, I i thought okay like maybe the marketing wasn't that great maybe the trailers weren't that great but i'm sure the movie will be good and man i was bending over backwards to try to convince myself that i like this movie at the end of it but really it was just those little pops of fan service i it was giving me enough of a high that it got me through the movie and made me think the movie was good. And then revisiting it for the first time since theaters just before recording this. Yeah, this movie's not good. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> and it's a bummer. And it, it really, it really bummed me out. And the things that I remember really liking about it aren't even in the final movie. I was remembering deleted scenes. And that really bums me out wow. too. So yeah. What uh, I will lot, say, lot of thoughts. before but, we get into the recap. Yeah. Um, I will say that I, because I too revisited this for the first time since theaters after being really disappointed. And I will say, I think this is a cut above, I think, I think this is a better trilogy capper than Last Stand. Oh, yeah. 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 I'll give it that. With, Definitely. With more mm. care and, and intention and love for the characters than, you know, like Last Stand or Wolverine. Yeah. What, what I'll, um, yeah. It's the first time I looked back at the film too since the whole experience Mm -hmm. that i had with it but i'll say like the thing that they were really talking about when we were going into the movie was like the two sides of this movie are rounding off the story of the adults and launching the story of the kids right and the like shame of the movie is they focus too much on the old people who are going to come back next movie anyway doesn't matter and they chop out like so much good stuff with the kids yes And it's clear. It's even clear in the cut we get that, like, there's definitely more there. Plus, why is Jubilee in the 80s? We can get into that later. <laughs> What's going on there? Who said yes to that? Uh, but Her also, costume looks it, great, though. Yeah, Her outfit looks great. But then, of course, it all rounds up with, like, and now they're the X-Men. And I'm like, oh, God. 
I hope. <laughs> like, are we sure this time? Like, third time's the charm? Are we sure? Everything um, before this was bullshit. We're the X-Men now. Credits. And now we're the X-Men. Bye. Um, <laughs> we even snuck some Sentinels in, which I totally forgot there are Sentinels in this movie until oh, yeah, I was that's like, true. oh, yeah, they snuck those old models in. Good for them. Reuse your uh, assets. Nice. Yeah. But before we get Sentinels, we must first go to ancient Egypt. Yeah, yeah. We start an X-Men movie where we start all X-Men movies in ancient Egypt. (laughs) Speaking of the mummy and and Stargate. This is a sequence right out of the mummy, like right out of like the beginning of the mummy, that long sequence at the beginning of the mummy. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of that. You got a booby trap. Apocalypse's whole thing and his guards have extreme Stargate vibes. I yes, have to say, like absolutely. their headgear is like right off the set of Stargate. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is a lot of fun. I love the booby traps. Yes, I I love the music. I had forgotten that Oscar Isaac Proper was in this movie. Yes, mm. I had forgotten that, and and I don't even know if I noticed it at the time because you're mostly looking at him upside down. Right, and it, so I don't think I noticed it in theaters, and yeah. I watched it this time. I was like, "Oh, he's he's actually in the movie. Look at that!" Yeah. Oscar um, Isaac Hernandez Estrada, straight out of yeah. Guatemala, was super hyped about being in this movie. He was a, like all of us. He was a big fan of the '90s cartoon, and uh, oh yeah, and like That's new fun. new new apocalypse <laughs> from that. Yeah, but in one of those YouTube videos that you know, with like Oscar Isaac talks to GQ or Wired about his career, you know those things. Mm-hmm. In that video, he described being in this movie as excruciating. Uh, he didn't know he was going to be wearing 40 pounds of rubber and glue and latex. He couldn't see. He couldn't sit down. He couldn't just like sit on a chair or a brick. He had to sit on this saddle that they would wheel him in and out. He had to cool <laughs> in, a, in a tent the whole time when he wasn't. So he, he signed up to like be in the company of like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender. And he's like, I, I talked to no one. Oh, that so, sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. And they end up CGIing his makeup in the end anyway. Like, yep. That's the so thing. It didn't even like, matter. How they turn in blue is like some of the stuff on his face, they added in posts. Like they mm-hmm. fixed it after the complaints. So well, yep. sounds like it was yeah. directed by a guy who doesn't prepare or do his homework or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to add the extra lip stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They uh, added his little goth lipstick after right. like wasn't but they were like oh yeah that's kind of the design feature of this character isn't it and i'm in the corner like where's kevin where's kevin feige where'd he go uh, did you did <laughs> yeah. you let him leave you let him leave what <laughs> oh he yeah, went yeah. off and started a, a superior franchise that's absolutely eating your lunch right now oh man how'd you let that happen um yeah right like so i i do have questions i have a lot of logic questions throughout this movie sure but the first one right <laughs> off the bat is what are those tubes doing on Apocalypse? Other than just being like a defining feature of his character, of his silhouette in, from, the, from the comics, what are they doing there? What purpose do they serve? And who invented those kinds of tubes in ancient Egypt? During the transfer, because like he, when he transfers from like his old busted ass yeah. uh, Apocalypse body into like the young virile body of Oscar Isaac. Of course. He already has the whole costume on him. Right. Because then he goes underground for 8 million years. Right. So, like, what was even the reference point back then in Egypt, Michael? But there <laughs> yeah. is a whole sequence where one of the four horsemen who has six powers, by the way. She's, like, psychic. She's telekinetic. Yeah. She can make laser spider webs. She's got a lot of powers. Scar Jean Grey, I call her. She <laughs> There's a bit where she, like, moves the armor over onto Oscar Isaac in what I think is supposed to be kind of an epic armor-up sequence. 
which includes like the tube dreadlocks. I don't yeah. get yeah. that either. Right? And, and the moment she was like, "Ah, oh, cool." Yeah. Your hair so is dope. Cool. I'll flip it over. <laughs> in the in the history of the X-Men movie, I think this is like the most important human endeavor in all of history. Uh-huh. These brave souls that take down a god. If Apocalypse had lived, all of human history would be different. Yeah. It's, it's and I amazing. don't mean to be rude, but they probably should have started 30 seconds earlier. Like they <laughs> maybe should have timed it out a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> this might have worked out. Better. Maybe just like as soon as they went in, like as soon as they went in the pyramid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do it. I, yeah. I wouldn't have waited an entire edit between opening my hand and closing my <laughs> yeah. hand. I would have been like, let's do it, boys. Yeah. Flappy hand. Let's go. <laughs> I like how each horseman just dies saving Apocalypse and just until the last possible second of them getting like smushed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool sequence. And then it is. I, I do w- want to go please. through the other three horsemen's powers really quick. I'm sorry. I, think yeah. I was yeah, just please. noticing as we went through, I was like, okay, so who are the guys Apocalypse is recruiting back in the day? We've already talked about Spider Jean Grey. I don't know what her deal is. She's very, she has five powers. She seems like an obvious choice. Two, there is just a guy who claps and makes people's skin disappear, which seems like a very weird power. Where did you get that? Um, three, just Pyro. This is just a lady pyro. She's just pyro. Whatever. I like uh, how they're. I like how elemental the powers are because it's like we're we're so back into history that it is like the powers of a god, where it's just like thunderclap and the skin comes off, or like I move stuff, and like as we. I will say replace. then there's guy number four who has leftover rat makeup from a teenage mutant ninja turtles pitch. Like I don't. What's oh, his deal? Right. I've been being kind of right. Oh, is he? Is he just be like? Yeah. Is he the one who caught like, cool. the slab? He like caught the whole slab. Like, oh, maybe he did something. Okay, good. I, I was I was waiting for him to get the killer croc. I did something moment, other than just like growling at camera. Oh, maybe that's where like the cat god comes from in Egyptian mythology. Is like oh. they were they were they were drawing this guy. We are thinking so much harder about this than they did. All right. <laughs> and then we get, I think, the coolest title sequence of the series. Really? Okay. Oh, that's you're not, cool. you don't like it? You don't like? History? No, I hate it. I think. Oh, I hate it. Because I, 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 <laughs> I put down time code for the various times in the movie. I said, oh, no. Um, <laughs> the first one, by the way, is 30 seconds in. I realized this movie is two and a half hours long. I literally went, oh, no. Um, the second, I paused at 747 as the planes start flying through the little tunnel. Because I went, uh-huh. we're about to fly through a swastika. I just remembered. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we fly through an exploding flaming swastika. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, why? No. I, th- th- that was the moment where, where, cause Bethany hadn't seen this movie yet. We were watching, we, she's been watching all of these with me. And I saw this by myself, I think, when it came out in theaters. And, uh, right. she never came around to it. So we're watching it for the first time. And then <laughs> we get into this and she was like, this is literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tunnel from Sherman and Peabody. I don't know yeah. how they were able to license it. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. It's certainly the kind of dumb that I wish this movie had held on to. Sure. Mm. Sure. Fair. Sure. I could get yes. on board with that. Yeah. Because everything up to this point, weirdly, is kind of like a Stephen Sommers kind of vibe. Yeah. But yeah. Then it gets real dry real fast. You do the whole movie in that vibe, and I'm on board. But uh, Yeah, if the whole didn't. movie is yeah. Roland Emmerich Stargate. Mm-hmm. Let's rock. But yeah. It's not. No. Yeah. No. It's really It's not, not. even like Assassin's Creed the Egypt one. No. <laughs> so we we cut to Cyclops getting his powers. 
I've been seeing that happen. They've been trying to sneak this scene in a movie for like 20 years, right? Yeah. So we get a very interesting history class where this teacher is telling the story of the day that Mystique saved Richard Nixon and stopped Magneto and showed everyone that mutants can be good. And I was like, oh, we're seeing like a pro-mutant teacher in 1983. That's pretty cool. Because in my mind, this is the first movie after Logan changed everything. And this is the new timeline. So, mm-hmm. so this is like Star Trek after the Kelvin, after Nero shows up or whatever. Have you talked about Singer's theory of the Quantum Observer? Oh, we didn't, but I did do research. Okay. So, so Scott, there. Yeah. Oh man. After <laughs> what is this? So I mentioned this shit's dumb. Get so, ready. So I mentioned last week that to prepare for a couple weeks ago that to prepare for Days of Future Past, Singer sat down with James Cameron and had like a two-hour conversation about getting your rules right. Right, right, right. Uh, time travel is a storytelling device, not as like Shane Carruth, jerk off science. So we don't have time to make flowcharts like that, man. Yeah, and so they decided that Wolverine will be like Michael said, a quantum observer. That like Back to the Future, Hill Valley isn't changing as Marty is bumping into stuff. It isn't until he goes back to the future that all the changes set. So theoretically, Hill Valley is still the same until Marty returns, and then it's all different, and then you get Lone Lone Pine Mall and all that. So the world isn't changing as Days of Future Past is happening, and Logan's doing his thing. It isn't until he crosses the finish line and Mystique makes her choice that this new timeline starts. Okay, sure. Which is just, it's kind of like a story literalization of... Wolverine is the center of our universe. Right. Yes. right. He, is, he is the quantum observer dictating his perspective is the timeline. Yeah. That, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Great stuff. I love it. Ugh. It feels a little like destiny because, yeah, it's like, give me a break. You know, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Wolverine. It feels like some shit you say to an actor to keep him doing the part. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It feels like. Buddy, you're the quantum observer. The entire no. timeline of the franchise bends on your perspective and your I, interpretation. Of it. It's like pfft, X-Men Origins is still in canon, boys. Bad news. Like, and yet they have all of this evidence of like, well, look, he, he's been around since the Civil War. He doesn't age through the history of these comics. And it's like the snake eating itself prophecy of like Wolverine was already such a beloved character in the comics that it's feeding how much of a phenomenon he became on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's pseudoscience for sure, but, you know, time travel's not real, so fuck it. <laughs> I mean, you, you could have just said, oh, it works for as long as he's connected to Kitty Pride or, or you know, Rogue, depending on, you know. Sure, the link, the, the neural watch. link or whatever. Yeah, as mm-hmm. long as the link is is together, nothing changes in the future. But as soon as we let the let it go, everything solidifies and then everything changes. Save all your changes before exporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. If you explained it that way, then it's like, well, okay, I don't know that that really makes sense, but I, I at least I can see how where the switch is mm-hmm. and like how it works. I get it, but like the, the explanation that they use is that's ridiculous. And going to apocalypse, <laughs> the movie itself seems confused as to whether or not 2016 Nick is right that we're seeing like a new timeline where everyone's this isn't how they met before, but it's how they're meeting now or if they're literally making a prequel to 2000s X-Men. Right, right, right. The movie yeah. itself seems confused. Yeah, it is. I can. T- I mean, I can tell you that from my perspective. Is there was a point where Fox asked me to figure out what the timeline was, and I was like, "That's not my job. No, 
<laughs> like to, to, there's two parts to this answer. Like one, I'm your social media manager from like another agency that you hired. You don't want me to do that. And two, <laughs> you're not going to like the answer because X-Men origins Wolverine is still Canon, especially the flashbacks that you were trying to get rid of. It was like, they, they did DOFP to get rid of X-Men three and get rid of origins Wolverine. And I was like, you got 50% of the way there. Like, sorry, but mm-hmm. if, if I were to put this out on a map, it's still like uh, uh, first class DOFP, mm-hmm. but, but the previous stuff that Wolverine experienced in those movies, it all still applies. Sorry. <laughs> Bad news. Yeah. He didn't do the job. <laughs> right. Right. Now uh, he has like two histories in his brain or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is Ty Sheridan in the role of Scott Summers. Ready Player One himself. Also, uh, allegedly, nothing was ever confirmed by Fox attached to the role at some point. Timothy Chalamet, Scott Summers. Okay. And Ben Hardy, who would go on to play Angel, which is why I kind of believe this rap article, because they did get Ben Hardy right, but that they read yeah. him for Scott and then later got cast as Angel. What do you, what do you think, Scott? I I think Ty Sheridan is... One of several huge miscastings in this. Um, I don't think they have the magic anymore. Like whoever their casting director was early in the X Men franchise, I think I, I think whoever replaced them just isn't doing as good a job because I, I think he's I think he's a terrible Cyclops personally. But um, they've run into the me. Wizard Magazine casting problem, which is that they're doing hair casting. Yeah, like they're just like oh. Uh, that's Sansa Stark girl. She's got the hair. Jean Grey. Like that's yeah. their hair casting. Like that's, yeah. it's so weak. <laughs> what I was realizing watching the movie, seeing what they were trying to communicate through the script is Scott Summers in this movie is supposed to be kind of a bad boy bender from breakfast club guy who like doesn't follow the rules. Cause it's supposed to be ironic of like, Oh, he wasn't always a boy scout. He used to like, Hey, let's ditch or <laughs> fuck you. Gene. Right. And yeah, I don't think Ty Sheridan brings that across through his performance at all, or isn't directed to do so by whoever the hell the director was that day. Yeah. Cause he's kind of down yeah. the middle, just a video game character, <laughs> which is hilariously enough. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, I wasn't even thinking about <laughs> So what you're telling me is that player one is ready. Yeah. I, I, I've never been super impressed with him just in general, like as an actor in anything, I think I've seen him in. I just think he's a little, he feels like an actor who gets a role because half of the people involved with the movie want one thing and half of the other people want this other extreme other thing. And then they get Ty Sheridan to split the difference because he's just like this generic middle ground. Like, oh, we'll get, we got and I feel sure. like a lot of dudes get cast that way, and it's uh, it's always a bummer because this was their chance to do Cyclops in a way that isn't annoying or you know bland, and uh, they whiffed it. They really whiffed it. I'll say it. Unfortunately, should have gotten Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, honestly, they could have got. They should have gotten Chalamet for Cyclops. They could. They should have gotten Chalamet for Nightcrawler. Either one of those would have like, been an improvement. I like Cody Smith McPhee. I I like I like him as an actor. His German accent is awful. Uh, I forgot that he talks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he sure does, and it's not good. It comes and it goes. It's a lot like Halle Berry's accent in the first X Men, where it's just all over the. I don't place. even. I didn't even clock that she was doing like a, a dialect in the in the first one. Yeah, in exactly. the first one, it comes and it goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. What the happened? Frog struck by lightning line. It's there for some reason, mm-hmm. and maybe it shouldn't have been. Yeah, or Toad struck by lightning. Scott, I genuinely don't remember what the next scene of the movie is after Cyclops. 
so after after Cyclops, it's the Berlin sequence where we're introduced to Nightcrawler and the okay. third angel, uh, the third character named Angel. Angel <laughs> versus the, Devil. Yeah. This was a big marketing thing. We never learned that this is Sam Worthington, right? That's how they're like explaining it. Is well, that other guy in X three that was Sam Worthington the third. This is Angel, who also happens to have the same mutant name as the girl in first class, who is also named Angel. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Do you mean? I think, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, he is credited as w- William Wentworth the Third. Really? But like, I don't think they William ever Wentworth? say it. I don't think they William or, or whatever his name is. Oh, uh, Sam Worthington. Worthington. Yeah. yeah. No, Sam yeah. Worthington's the dude from Avatar. Yeah, oh, Warren Worthington. Warren Worthington. William Worthington. Okay, yeah. Okay. But the third, Warren. right? Yeah. Warren, Warren, Warren. Warren. Okay. This must be Warren Worthington, like the second and a half, because the timing doesn't really work out. No. But, I mean, uh, I mean, well, we're going to talk about it, but oh, like Cyclops yeah. and his 40-year-old brother, who who had his whole life ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, I, I will say, I was going through my notebook from, from work at the time, and, and just as a note, because I listened to your first class episode, mm-hmm. in the flat, in in the Cerebro scene, that's supposed to be Storm. But then, like, everybody we were talking, like, everybody I was talking to was just like, it's not Storm. We're going to pretend it's not Storm. And I was like, but it's it's clearly Storm. She's got white hair. <laughs> she makes lightning. She's Storm. And they were like, bap, 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 different mutant. Why? Don't worry about it. Storm's <laughs> in this movie. And we're just absolutely blowing her origin in this movie. We're doing it yeah. here. Yeah. All right, oh, cool. Boy. Great, great. So, Berlin. Mystique goes to Berlin. Yes. There's another cage match because apparently that's the only way, that's the best way to introduce tough guy mutants in this universe like angel and nightcrawler like angel and nightcrawler (laughs) two tough guys (laughs) two tough guys if i had revisited this movie until like 10 years from now and you had showed me this i would have i would have been convinced convinced had to have been that angel in this movie is based on that that bully kid from stranger things right because it's like the same character but the timeline doesn't work at all like neither was inspired by either one but it's like the same character from stranger things 3 it's just so interesting that like we said like it's kind of out of coming out of days of future past it's this fresh start new era we fixed all our mistakes the bad movies didn't happen Right. first move we're just gonna throw two mutants out there that we've already seen right. and mm-hmm. it's so weird that it's brian singer because it feels like so little care has been taken into like why is this nightcrawler why is yeah. this angel because right. berlin is that is that all and then yeah, like, service, make, i'll tell you fan service like the, <laughs> like but who is who is this making happy you know well i can i can tell you from from having read the script this is one of three fights that gets like a title in the script the script was super weird and that it was like <laughs> speaking to the reader and we will get to it. The rule of three on this is pretty nuts, but this fight and the later rematch mm-hmm. is like angel versus devil. This was like a big fan service fight where they were going to have oh. angel versus nightcrawler. And it was wow. going to be angel versus the devil. There is at no Fluid. point did that nope. make any connection. I never no. connected that. That's what they're doing. Wow. I typed that phrase so many times for app copy and it never comes up anywhere else. But like that wow. was the whole Thing with them they were setting up this rivalry of angel versus devil and the yeah. gag would be like the angel is the bad guy and the the devil he believes yeah. in the old jesus guy like it would be you know like mm-hmm. we're inverting what you would expect oh boy. and then the second fight we'll get to later is way later obviously is is cyclops versus storm which is only there for fan service it's just there because somebody read an x-men and comic. it's like it 10 like, seconds of the movie yeah, yeah but it was 
I was told to hit that point a lot too. For like sure, the, for sure. the two famed leaders of the X-Men. And I'm like, not in these flicks. What are you talking about? Oh boy. It kept coming up. Clumsy. You know? Clumsy is the word that I think fits mm-hmm. fits all of this. Yeah. This one feels the most rushed and it's servicing the most masters simultaneously. Yeah, right. I think is the, the biggest issue with this one is like we've already talked about, like it's supposed to be the ending of the trilogy, but also it's launching the kids. Like it's yeah. supposed to launch the kids into their series of stories, right? The idea from here was going to be like Kinberg would do the young cast movies. Like For we were already talking about that internally before the apocalypse came out. Similarly to how, when mm-hmm. you were saying with future past and they were already talking about apocalypse, dark Phoenix, they were like, yeah, that's the next movie. We're going to do the Phoenix saga. Finally. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting too, is like, why, why did they feel they needed to do those two things simultaneously? Like, why couldn't you just do, like an X Factor movie as the next thing, and then that's your OG crew, and then they're all kids, and it's later in the eighties. If you want to still do the eighties thing, because it's not even like, again, not to harp on the Stranger Things thing, but a lot of people ripped off Stranger Things. If Stranger Things had come out before this movie, I could at least understand like, oh, you want to get the kids in the eighties movie because you want to get on the hype of the Stranger Things and. That hadn't happened yet. So, like, what were they doing? Like, why were they so determined to do this? Well, speaking of, uh, so Jennifer Lawrence, and it is Jennifer Lawrence. Like, I she doesn't poke, turn blue until an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. I checked it. Right. She rescues. I also, w- oh, sorry, okay. when, they, when she rescues Nightcrawler, they do, like, straight up TV level cutting around her changing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, quick pans, and she's a different person, and they quick pan back, and it's like... This is this is a multi-million dollar film and you're yeah. doing like Texas switcheroos. I like, think the cast happening? is too big. I think that's yeah, all yeah, it I is. I mean, obviously. The cast is so massive and so yeah. expensive that it's just like, we can't spend money on anything else, you know? When, when they're in the power-defeating cell later, she doesn't turn blue. Like, that is how yeah. powerful contract renegotiation is. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. I, I, I jumped. I oh, no. no. Jumped <laughs> so um, they, they return to the school. Well, they come across Caliban, who will meet in Logan, and Psylocke, who is when? like Caliban's bodyguard or something. But then that's mm-hmm. that's quite a ways from now. Oh, we're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, how do they? Oh, OK, please. So that's true. That is the next thing that happens to Nightcrawler and, oh, but first, and Mystique. But that's like 45 minutes from now that before yeah. we see them again. OK, so we cut um, to Eric, right? Yep. Yeah, we cut to we cut to Eric in Poland and he has a daughter and a wife and you know that it's going to end poorly. I don't like it when they do this. I didn't like it when they no. did it in, in Origins Wolverine where it's like no. you you fell in love off camera and the last time we saw Magneto it was him flying off from whatever, you know, the White House. Right. It makes no sense that he hung it up. It makes no <laughs> did he fly did he fly away is that what happened i remember he got shot and then he got and then he flew away after after mystique shoots him yeah i think he was able to fly away with that bullet wound okay. in his neck because i don't remember okay. him getting apprehended because <laughs> with the bullet wound is yeah and he turned it into a band-aid he's magneto whatever yeah yeah Fair right for sure yeah <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow yeah i never thought about that he can meld the bullet in his body to- yeah that's good. that's good so we see this massive change happen off screen yeah. Where he has this like seven year old daughter. Right. And, you know, it's Fassbender. So he's he's selling it. But yeah. again, like so often these movies feel like we've skipped a movie in between movies. Yeah. 
and a movie that I would have liked to see. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to see Magneto tries to make it in a small town. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. I just really hate that <laughs> the writers of these movies seem incapable of figuring out what an act one is <laughs> when everything is working properly. Like you were saying, we're the X-Men now. And then the next one, it's like, well, we can't just have them be the X-Men again. Like, no. we got to go back. They have to, we have to un-X-Men <laughs> them because yeah. that's the only way to start an act one. And it's like, well, why? It's like, like you've only read the part in the screenwriting book about refusal of the call. And like, yeah. oh, so the entire movie is about refusing the call. Ugh. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't keep doing that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Accept I'm, the call. <laughs> and, I, and I think that in nowhere is that more apparent than what they do with Raven. Mm-hmm. Like the circumstances are a little different where now they shoehorn in this like, oh, she's become this hero to mutants like Storm has like a picture of her on her wall. But it's resulted in her being in exactly the same place where she was in Days of Future Past. Like I work alone. I don't I'm not with Charles. This isn't my home. It's all bullshit. Right. She doesn't seem like she's grown at all. Right, right. Yeah. She became a hero, quote unquote, at the end of Days of Future Past. And then she fucked off for 10 years. And that's how they write off her being Jennifer Lawrence all the time is Blue Mystique has become such an icon that she's, again, refusing the call. And it's like, well, now I have to look like Jennifer Lawrence all the time. I want want to be mutant and proud, but she's too beloved. Yeah. She's (laughs) too much fame. (laughs) <laughs> you know, the part avoid the paparazzi, the, the version of myself that I was convinced the world could never accept or love. Yeah. Now people love it too much. Now it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's a great character arc, really. So 38 year old uh, Havoc is who we meet. <laughs> Two tour non veteran this whole life ahead of him. Uh, uh, meeting his fifteen uh, year old little brother, <laughs> not his son, his little oh. brother. <laughs> yeah, his parents, man, they had a very exciting second honeymoon, like thirty <laughs> years in. Like, good for uh, them. I'm glad yeah. they didn't take the flight over the uh, over Alaska. Like, clearly <laughs> yeah. things worked out. Nobody's star jamming. Everything's going well. Yeah. The dichotomy of these movies having, yeah, like Alex Summers be having to be of the, because they, they force themselves to make that concrete because they show him being in Vietnam. Right. They show him being in it's, the Cuban Missile Crisis. It know? just, it would have been so easy to just be like, look, we know that they're brothers in the comics, but in the movie, in order to adapt it properly, he's his father. We're never going to do space pirate Cyclops' dad, so Havoc is his dad in this universe. Just, it's fine. Just deal with it. And I think everybody generally would have been like, there would have been some grumps about it, but like in general, I think everybody would be like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But 30-year-old, 8-year-old, older brother, <laughs> Havoc... To 15-year-old well, Cyclops. I have, I, it's so silly. I didn't do my homework that hard, so I don't know if the actor playing Havoc slash Alex is even 30 yet. No, he's not. There's which no is, way. That's the other side of it, too. His dad is five years older than him in actor time, which happens all the time. I right. will say. Like, that happens a lot. Yeah. But, but yeah, and oh, man. Like, so does ev- I just assume, and this is the movie where I accepted that every mutant has to age really slow for any of this to work. Yeah, they're they're all immortal. Right, <laughs> that's the only way it works. Absolutely, it's their tertiary mutation. They all age it, like Hollywood. Actors. It just sucks because they set up the fact that Mystique ages slowly because that's part of her mutant power mm-hmm. and Wolverine. But then it's like, but also all of us too. <laughs> so you're not special. So so Havoc takes Scott Summers 
to the school where Scott runs into Jean and is kind of a dick to her because he's like, well, she's probably not hot. Um, and then sees her later, realizes that she actually is, in fact, pretty hot. And so then he's like, oh, okay, I should be nice to her now. Sure. Which is just the most fucking high school bullshit I've ever seen. I've read a little bit nicer into those scenes, but <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, well, I mean, he's like super rude to her when he's blindfolded. And then he sees her and he's like, that's the girl I was talking to earlier. I, I will say she comes at him pretty hard. In that first, in that first meeting, like nobody comes out a winner in that first impression. Yeah, um, to the point where, like, the Jean Grey in that meeting is completely. I and I know, I know we don't care, but somebody has to say it. The Jean Grey in that scene is completely antithetical to the Jean Grey we have in the first two X Men movies. Yeah, a completely different personality. Yeah. Like totally wrong. <laughs> but yeah, they do that. Who cares? They've got 12 storms, like whatever. <laughs> These movies, they force me to ask myself, who is Jean Grey as a character? Yeah. Because yeah. I really dig Jean in that first scene because she's like yeah. b- clutching her books. Like, don't worry, Scott, there's nothing in there worth reading, idiot. And, I, I, but then I'll put my mark on the board. Like, I think Jean's maybe the best part of this movie. Like, mm. maybe the one thing that works in this flick is Jean. Interesting. Save the Wolverine shit, but we'll get to that. So, when we're so there were there were scenes throughout this movie where I'm like, is she acting like the person that Famke Jamson is playing in 2000? But then no. that question asked me, <laughs> who is that character? Right. And that's like, very true. And half of her stuff's like beast dialogue, right? Like you mentioned that in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So there's all that going on. You could have easily done that by having her being like a teacher's pet to Nicholas Holt, where it's like they're always hanging out. Like she's like a TA for Nicholas Holt or something mm. like that. So you get the vibe that like, oh, she learns all of her medical stuff and science stuff from yeah. her relationship with Beast. I just, I don't think I ever, even after all these movies and reading some comics, I don't think I know what Gene's deal is the way that I can write a paragraph about like Kitty Pride or Scott Summers. Yeah, she's a, she's a tough character to get a handle on. She's one that definitely needs to be like Star-Lorded, not literally, but just like, let's take this kind of generic character and like endow like a, a yeah. person, a really strong personality on have, it. Have her not written by a guy. Exactly. Totally. That'd be great. That'd be pretty good. I think that's definitely what needs to happen with her at some point. Because even the Bendis version of Jean Grey that we get, the time travel shenanigans stuff that happened in the comics, mm-hmm. even that Jean Grey isn't that notable from a personality standpoint. She's just more like a bummed out that like this bad shit's going to happen to her <laughs> later in life and she's going to try and figure yeah. out a way around it. That's kind of it. She's still kind of generic. I think the most interesting Jean Grey I think I've ever seen in anything was the uh, Dennis Hopeless, Jamie McKelvey X-Men season one graphic novel where Jean Grey was the main character. I felt like I really understood Jean Grey in that. And that's the only time I've ever felt that way. Got it. Jean Grey is unfortunately kind of a generic character. And yeah, we need somebody like cool writing her Mm -hmm. for sure. I think the new movie will probably... Yeah. Do that. Yeah, I know. hope so. That'd be I great. So. Like with like with Tony Stark Iron Man. Like Iron Man is completely different from what that character was in the comic books to what he is now because of those movies. And yeah. I think the same thing's gonna happen right. with the X-Men again. To, yeah. to have an actor yeah. really be like, here's my spin on Gene and create this like iconic. Yeah. That being Absolutely. said, I think the tour of the school where yeah. like, they meet Professor X and it I really loved that because it really felt for the first time that things were running smoothly. And yeah. there was some kind of status quo. And we get what Scott was talking about of like, you know, mutant kids running through the halls with books late for class. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's great. 
I just wish the X-Men were working in the basement. Right. Sure. Well, we'll you, get mi- to- <laughs> you missed like the cool half of the deal. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, you're not doing the stuff I'm here for the title yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. I was really digging what McAvoy was doing. I really got the sense that he was a character who had survived battling his demons in days of future past and had now reached a kind of mature mid thirties, late forties piece. Yeah. There's like a recovering alcoholic sort of vibe to him of like, I've been through some shit and I'm now I'm here to help everybody else. Like that spark from first class is, is been dimmed a lot now. Right. That like with age, he's like been humbled a little bit. Right. Right. Again, like 48 year old. (laughs) Yeah. James McAvoy's Charles Xavier. Yeah. Middle-aged Charles finally figuring it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I will say as soon as he shows up in this movie and he's got that quaff of hair Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, oh, he's losing it. This movie. It's definitely it's gone. It's definitely they're putting too much too fine a point on it. It's gone for sure. He should have been like looking at it in a mirror during his first scene. Just brushing it (laughs) lovingly. I love my hair. Oh, I would never let Hank take this. <laughs> never, never. I've still got you, left hair. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, then, we cut to Moira McTaggart, Rose Byrne, yes. returning to the role from First Class, and she is dressed like she's literally cosplaying Marion Ravenwood from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Literally. It's the exact same outfit. And she is... Doing Indiana Jones stuff where she's finding a a temple under a bar. It's like six feet underground. Like it's it's not very far underground. I also I feel like I I have to point out this entire movie is her fault. Yes. Because she left the door open and the sun got in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What are you raising a barn? (laughs) Which by the way, like the the cult guys probably should have known about the sun thing, but I guess not. Whatever, it's fine. Not a lot of information yeah. out there because of uh, the uh, library, library of Alexandria fire, right? Oh, true. right, right. True. I, yes. So the cult. What the one thing that's interesting is you know everyone knows that you watch any mummy movie or any movie, and the cult that raises the evil thing never survives. But what was interesting about this is it wasn't even apocalypse being like actually you're puny and like kills them. They he he kills them waking up. Yeah. He doesn't even no, he has no knowledge of their existence. Yeah. yeah. He just warp bubbles away. Huh? Yeah. Who put these rocks on me? What? Ouch. How? How? Gotta go. What year is it? <laughs> Gonna go find a Jamba Juice. Swip. And then does he no. meet Storm? Is that the first person that he meets? It is, but that happens a little bit later. First, yeah, first we there's get, a global earthquake. Yeah. First, we ah. get uh, Magneto saving that guy at work. Yes. And using his powers, and people see it. See him stick his hand out and assume a lot of things. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a spectacular use of his powers, it's very subtle. Yeah. And they are all just like, oh, that's that Magneto guy from the news 10 years ago. Hi, Nurek. Instantly. <laughs> so there's that. And then we get Gene's bad dreams, which should have been like something like that should have been the entire plot of the New Mutants movie. Uh, yeah. Somebody making nightmares real. All these other mutants in a haunted house with a mutant that can't control their nightmares becoming. Re- That's what that movie should have been. I-, I can't remember if it wasn't. Or- it was not. Okay. But, yeah, but I still haven't seen it. Characters had nightmares, though. There were there were nightmares in the movie, right? 
Yes, yes. The main character yeah. with the bear, invi- the, the the bear friend, the her, the protagonist. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. She has. I love the X Men, Dan- and this sounds like some wacky shit. <laughs> Danny, Danny Moonstar. Danny right? Moonstar. That's her, name? That's her name. Yeah, Danny Moonstar has like the demon thing. But then it turns out that the demon thing is actually good and a bear or something like that. I yeah, don't remember. Yeah. We saw it in a drive-in. We did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about we'll, that. We don't, we don't, we don't have to talk about New Mutants yet. It's going to be um, magic with a K. Yeah. Hey. But I like it. I like Jean Grey. Yeah. Her power is coming out while she's dreaming. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's really cool and a really cool way to like make the rest of the school like wary of her and everything i yeah. just wish she had been goth i think oh, i feel yes. like gene gray would be goth because yeah there's, yes. there's that great scene with uh gene and, and cyclops on the lawn where gene's like oh you thought they were looking at you they're looking at me like i'm the yeah. biggest freak here not you and he's like oh well now i'm into it yeah yeah well, yeah you have a giant pink mohawk i believe it <laughs> her being molly ringwall instead of ali sheedy is a huge mistake i feel like and because like, that's fun because it's countering expectations of, right. oh, this is my this is my student, Jean Grey. And then it's this 80s mall goth. Yes. And you're like, that's yes. Jean? Yes. That would have been, oh, that would have been so good. But the, um, the rules of prequels is every character has had the same haircut and wardrobe for like 30 years. Right. It's haircasting. I told you. Yeah, it's yeah, Wizard yeah. Magazine haircasting. It's their patented method. Hey, hey, that haircasting worked for Patrick Stewart, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He was the one from the Wizard Magazine cast. They yeah. went... My God, he's bald, bald, perfect. (laughs) What are we going to get a razor? Get out of here. Yeah. Hair plus what's popular on HBO in this era. Yeah, I, yes, I will. Yes. Especially in the case of, um, uh, Jean Grey's actress, whose name I cannot remember. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Because we we got, we got Peter, we got Dinklage in Days of Future Past. And then we got Sansa Stark. Yep. And we got the other sister in New Mutants. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. All in on Game of Thrones. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think she's doing an A-OK job. She would <laughs> later describe her relationship, her working relationship with Brian Singer as, quote, unpleasant. Uh-huh. So she also didn't have a fun time making this. But I, yeah. I think like the scene with her and McAvoy, when McAvoy is like, kind of guiding her through the nightmares, I think is, is solid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. I do want to call out that I feel really bad for Sophie Turner that she has to deliver the line. It's like there's some sort of dark power. And I'm like, oh, God, sure. I'm, I'm so sorry. I just I just want to shake your hand and be like, I'm so sorry you had to do that. I'll, I'll um, be perfectly honest. I think Simon Kinberg isn't a great writer. <laughs> well, he's. you'll find out next movie. He's not a terribly good director either. I mean, you know, no one's first movie should be dark phoenix dark phoenix uh, uh yeah. but i i find his writing to be very obvious and very a lot of it feels very first drafty the I, script was bad i don't know what to tell you yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't <laughs> like i was i didn't get to see the movie before release we we my boss and i we had to sit in a room we were given one copy of the script between the two of us and we had to read it and so there was a point where like i'm I started reading and I would like put a pile in the middle and then my boss would like continue reading. So it's like, Oh, you read first. You're going to be the one on the project or whatever. Right. And there's a point reading the script where I just had to pick up the last 10 pages and turn it back over and be like, wait, what, what? <laughs> and just like, keep like, like try again, you know? Cause it, it just was like, hold on. What's oh, going boy. on? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm saving the best for last year. You're, you're not going to believe me. Yeah. And then, 
And then Magneto's family gets fridged by, oh, by yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the Polish police. Yeah. Uh, one arrow. Two birds, one arrow. Incredible. Yeah. A hell of a shot from that random guy. Who yeah. brutal. Well, not hell, hell of an accidental shot. Yeah. 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 What, what are the odds? Oh, I think it's kind of cool that Magneto's daughter would have been like Lord of Ravens. That would have been really cool to see like her grow She was up. like all wildlife. She could like talk to the deer and stuff yeah. too. She was going to be super cool. That would have been, yeah. yeah. And it kind of, you know, I, I guess exemplifies the tragedy. And Boss Bender is a great actor. So this scene is like, he's good in it and he's wired in, but it just feels I, so convoluted. And like the screenwriter just forced this into happening. There's also just this one bit where one of the cops pronounces it Magneto because he's saying it in Polish. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I just like cracked a smile because I just imagined Boss Bender being like, it's pronounced Magneto and then killing everyone. Like what if that was what set off the entire scene? said it wrong. Uh, it's no, no, it's, it's neat. Uh, anyway. Interesting that their crime, their violence stems from like, you're a terrorist and not like dirty mutant. Get out of our town. Right. Oh, also I have a note here that I, I like the scene ends with Magneto screaming. Is this all I am at his own franchise? At Simon. Like just, yeah. Like he's yelling at Simon <laughs> yeah. Kinberg. <clears throat> he gets a moment, just like shout up at the writer. Like, is this what you want from me? Yeah, and it's like, you know, me watching. No, like I don't, yeah. <laughs> this isn't it, man. That's gotta be part of the fuel. Uh, he was using for that fire of a performance, right? Yeah. Like, has to be. I love watching Magneto cut loose too, but it's even better when it's not out of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> right. like, what's going on? Why are we here? He had baggage leaving Days of Future Past. You didn't have to give him a wife and a daughter. And right. going back to Scott's point, it, it feels very first drafty or like easiest answer first. Yep. And like this is textbook. Yeah, we haven't frigid. even gone to Auschwitz yet, and it feels really first drafty. Uh, we'll, yeah. yeah we'll, and we'll we'll get to we'll save that for for when it yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so his family dies. She had bird powers. That sucks. He kills everybody with a necklace, a locket. Yeah. uh, Runs it all through their necks, which is a lot of fun. And then we go Apocalypse meets Storm in a scene that is both, it feels both an homage to that alley scene from uh, Superman the movie. And also feels like something right out of of the mummy. The the it feels the, like Aladdin. It's like Storm's oh yeah, Aladdin, Aladdin too. That's she just seems like a there. little monkey. Like yeah. it, I was just like, what is going on oh, here? Uh, good opportunity. Something I noticed from the cold open. I think this is the most violent X Men movie. Yes. Yeah. The necks are getting snapped. People yeah. are getting decapitated. This is like the most neck violence in an X Men yeah. movie. Yeah, like Michael said, people are just getting like their skin is melting into like goo. Yeah, there's just a lot more like gore to this one. And he like absorbs one into the side of a building and he's still like awake and conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Apocalypse is her genie in the Aladdin (laughs) analogy, by the way. Too late. You done wound me up. I would (laughs) have. God, I would have killed to see like (laughs) Apocalypse just break into a song and dance number. I mean, yeah, could have never had a friend like me. Blah, would have been a much better movie. I'm just I'm putting it out there. Come on. Uh, (laughs) So Storm does have her iconic mohawk in this. Yeah. Again, long demanded by the fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets it after Apocalypse learns from TV, which was a huge meme when mm-hmm. this movie came out. That clip of him going, learning. <laughs> it's just, that's oh, my favorite thing. I just love He's also it so watching much. just like a real bottom tier app of original Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people remember that Apollo one fondly, but like, it's fine. Singer's going to sing her. It's oh, fine. Got to throw yeah, I probably... I probably rewatched him saying learning like three times. Uh, Great. In this it's, it's so funny because it's so much um, like higher pitch than I remember. 
I feel like everybody was like jamming on his occasional deep voice and thinking yeah. it was him going learning. But in the movie, he's just like learning, yeah. like, buddy. What? What's uh, going on with you, dude? I was a big fan of Storm pointing at her Time Magazine cover of Raven or Mystique and being like, "This is my hero. I want to be like her." Do you want a Coke or water or anything? Like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Storm's pad is uh, good for interesting. her. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah, she's got a, a whole like gang that disappears. Right. Oh, right. Like, hint at Morlocks like several times and just like, like don't worry about it. Just yeah. don't worry about it. And I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean. <laughs> And we had other fish to fry in this flick. Then we have Charles going to visit Moira at work. Yeah, the kind of closest the movie has to comedy of him like, oh, I'm going to meet my ex-girlfriend, but I erased her memory. There's this steam coming out of my ears moment where <laughs> Alex is like, what happened, professor? Why are you being so weird? He's like, oh, Hank, I, I erased, had to erase all of her memory with a kiss. And Alex is like, wow, it must have been really hard for you. And he's like, well, we do what we have to do. I'm like, what the fuck is like, yeah, what is... <laughs> What are you talking about? Stole months from her life without her permission. Havoc doesn't have the most healthy relationship. He's been telling his son he's his brother for 30 years. You know, sure. come on. Yeah. That's what, that's what Nam did to him. <laughs> yeah, we meet. Uh, I mean, always a pleasure to see Rose Byrne. Yeah. I, I just, him being all like googie, go, like Google eyes. Oh, at so her gross. And be like, ooh, it's, it the is worst. so gross. And it's also like, where is any of this coming from? Like, <laughs> it's been I don't 20 remember years. you. Yeah, it's been 20 years. And also, I don't remember you feeling this way about her in first class. You seemed fairly indifferent to her. And then the kiss felt like it came out of nowhere. Right. Only for us to realize, like, oh, you're erasing her memory. I guess that makes the kiss make sense. Oh, like, oh, but, wait, actually, you've been harboring this love for her for two decades. Because, yeah, there's no, like, shot of a framed photo of her in Days of Future Past, you know? Right. Again, very first drafty. Yeah. And I just, I don't get why he doesn't give her the memories back in this scene and Immediately. later. Like, I know it's really easy for a writer, don't get me wrong, but, like, <laughs> I, for Charles Xavier, it's like, yeah. uh, I kind of need you back. Because like, in, in the moment when he does it later in the movie... What happens that makes him be like, now's the moment. Now I'm going to do it. This now, now you're ready. Why? Well, what? the script needed one more first class flashback. Oh, I mean, that's, boy. <laughs> that's yeah. why, but yeah. you know, also apocalypse learning stuff from TV reminded me of something of another film that had been released a year prior, learning everything about earth on TV and realizing that earth needed to just be destroyed. Reminds me a whole lot of a certain robotic AI in a movie that had been released the previous summer, learning everything from the internet and realizing that humanity needed to be destroyed. Um, it's, it's the same plot as Ultron. They just, they did yeah. age of Ultron again, only they couldn't call this age of apocalypse because they made a rule <laughs> where every year there can only be five rise ofs and five age ofs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's return of the Jedi and uh, wrath of Khan all yeah, over again. And unfortunately age of Adelaide had already come out in 2016. Oh, so. shit. <laughs> oh man. So the moment where Moira is showing the hieroglyphics and the art exploring the, um, what singer in interviews said was like the main interest of him going into this movie is like apocalypse being the first mutant. We always thought mutants came out in the 20th century, but what if it, they were actually here much, much longer and things like gods and miracles and like mythology actually came from mythological or ancient mutants. Right. And it's kind of the most Roland Emmerich 
move the movie makes. And mm-hmm. I like it because I'm a big fan of like scientists in a dinky room going through old ancient photos and like circling stuff. <laughs> sure, sure. It's a good vibe. I just wish they leaned into that more, I mm-hmm. think. I wish they had just straight up said that Jesus was a mutant. I think that I think yeah. they should have just went for it. <laughs> they might have had some trouble on that. <laughs> I know, but I think they still Ugh. should have. Oh, yeah. It would have been a, if Matthew Vaughn had stayed on, that would have been, happened probably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, the whole opening would have been like the nail going in and then like it coming back out and just being like, now it's my turn. <laughs> like That's the opening of Matthew Vaughn's Jesus X-Men movie. So now we get Caliban who I guess is supposed to just be a younger version of the one from Logan. I mean, I guess that's makes sense enough. I, you know, it's not, Logan's not so far in the future that it couldn't be. It's the farthest in the future that we get. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get Caliban, we get the introduction of Psylocke, which is fine, I guess. (laughs) She's got a great jacket. Yeah, she does. And then after Mystique and Nightcrawler are there, they're in and out. Um, Then Apocalypse comes with Storm. And then that's when he gets Psylocke. And then they go on this sort of, I wouldn't even call it a montage because it's full scenes one after the other. But it's, it's just, okay, we got Psylocke. Psylocke knows where to find Angel. Okay, now we have Angel. We're going to turn him into Archangel because you can't have an apocalypse movie without an archangel, right? Because it's like fan service. And then we go to Magneto and then we get the Auschwitz stuff. So like this whole section, what do we think about the collecting of the of the horsemen? It, it sucks. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst part of the movie. Um. It's probably the reason the movie is two hours and 24 minutes. Because like you yeah. said, it, it's not a montage. It's like no. three complete scenes. You know, it's unfortunate. I mean, like, Angel is paper thin in this movie. Psylocke is given nothing as a character. And, like, we get to Auschwitz. I, I, it's, I'm almost, like, I, I get queasy even. Just, like, I, mm. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Olivia Munn had to get into her Psyl- Psylocke outfit and then, like, walk down her trailer onto... Uh, I what I hope to God was a recreation of Auschwitz, and like what was the environment on that? What was what was like when they were like rolling in Oscar Isaac on his saddle <laughs> with all four? Like, well, here I go to, to talk about Auschwitz, and it's so it's so serious and takes itself so seriously, but is so ridiculous yeah. looking. I wonder. What? Because, like, you know, the reason that anyone would feel safe doing this is because Brian Singer's directing it. You know, a Jewish man. We got the whole Auschwitz opening sequence from uh, the first X Men, which is how we've evolved to this point. So I'm sure that that's the reason why everyone felt somewhat comfortable here. But I would, I'm like, in the in, in the text, it makes total sense. Of like, yeah, this is the third part of a trilogy. Let's take this character back to where it all began, right? Back to the birth of his pain and the birth of his trauma, right? Uh, right. It's it's like you know, I think it would have been a lot less goofy looking if it was just Eric and maybe yeah. just like Apocalypse Vo. Yeah, because it's 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 weird. But then you have to wonder: Was Brian C. Singer even on set that day? Right, what, who knows? Was this? Yeah, who knows? Who knows if he was even there that day? Because I will say, with all of the Horseman stuff, every time all of them are together, <laughs> they give something for Fastbender to do and Apocalypse to a certain extent. 
but the rest of them, Psylocke, Storm, and, and Archangel, are just standing there. There's one point where, later in the movie, where Xavier is talking to Eric through telepathy, mm-hmm. and and Apocalypse is just like putting armor on Archangel, and Storm and, and Psylocke are just watching. They're just standing there politely watching him do his business. And it's it's just it's it's so obvious that there was no director on the set that day giving any sort of blocking direction. They couldn't find them any business to do like in the background. No, just watch him work. Just that's it. You don't have any it's, like hobbies you're you're into or like No. You can't have like Psylocke like sharpening one of her swords yeah. or something like anything. Like, Literally anything. Storm like making a little cloud to make it rain into a cup or something for water. I don't like yeah. Just some business. Just some business. It felt like the director was the focus puller because the only thing going on that going on in that scene were like rack focuses. That's it. <laughs> like, so I guess that was like the puller's day to direct. And like, not know. for nothing, but like and, and no that no shade on Psylocke, but that's Storm. That's yeah. e- even in the universe of well, That's how I feel about Psylocke, man. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> in, it's, it's, in your movies, Storm is like one of the founding members. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird yeah. it's like fan service that doesn't with no like emotion behind it well it even goes back to when apocalypse is the reason her mohawk is white. like <laughs> yeah she doesn't have agency over her own powers right. she's only as strong as she is because this dude showed up and like waved a hand on her in a weirdly suggestive scene yeah you know like yeah. don't like it really hate it's, it yeah it's not even it. the yeah. only um, character that Cyclo- apocalypse forces new hair onto in this movie it's all of them. Plus, he gives a Archangel a face tattoo. That's a commitment, dude. That's a lifetime commitment to a face tattoo. He's like Jeez. a he's like a cult leader. They give him a face Whoa. tattoo because he can't possibly have the the open mask thing from the comics. So instead, we're gonna hint at it with a ta- facial tattoo. Yeah, so no. stupid. <laughs> it might look. God. It might look. There's silly. no way we could make anybody blue in this film. Uh, I do actually want to note uh, on the on the blue topic as they're recruiting and, and putting together all the horsemen. Like all the blue X Men all have various oh, conversations. That was great. Like this literally scene where it's like X Men blue. I'm like, oh, we got Beast, we got Mystique, yeah. we got Nightcrawler. Where, it's X Men blue. Where they both they <laughs> both kind of half explain why they're only ever in their human like mode, and then Nightcrawler's like, I'm blue, and I'm like, oh, that's right, yeah, they're all here in one. <laughs> I'm blue all the time. I I love I do love Nightcrawler's flock of seagull hair. I think that's yeah. Great. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. One of the things also in this montage is is like the mall sequences in here, right. which is mostly cut out, trimmed, yeah, d- destroyed. It's yeah. it was. I can tell you from the script, like they go shopping, like that's where Kurt gets his jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you they know, have, they've a, released all those deleted scenes. Oh, cool, uh, right, of cool. it, like them finding the Dazzler album and like all of that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. There was right. a yeah. rumor that Taylor Swift was going to play Dazzler. Right, I remember that. I remember that. And Lady Gaga that was a rumor. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I remember. I remember watching the deleted scenes and loving it so much that I retroactively placed it into the actual movie. Got it. Um, and the only thing that's there is this lame ass joke about the third one being the worst one, which you can't make the joke if it's true, guys. So like- <laughs> uh, I, I have a quote from Kinberg about that joke. Okay. Um, yeah. And like after that, in the script, and they were they were like, "Hey, uh, what what was that about?" And he's like, "You know." He kind of saw it as half of uh, them poking fun at themselves, potentially, but uh-huh. also throwing shade at Last Stand. And 
He was like, oh. he was like, look, if Deadpool can make fun of itself and kind of poke fun at other things in the franchise, then so can we. So it was kind of incorrect. Them. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> counterpoint. Pick one tone. Yeah. Just like pick one. Yeah. What if? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and like and Lana Condor is definitely a big casualty of these cuts. Uh, she would go on to be in the To All the Boys I Love Before series. She's really good in yep. those. Yep. Uh, and yeah, like she looks great. It, 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 it's a bummer that Singer has like no inclination or intention of like making her a character. Because like apparently these are supposed to be the people we're supposed to care about for the next like two or three, four movies after this. Also, I, I can there, there was never any conversation about Jubilee staying on for further movies, wow. which I thought was crazy. I was like, oh yeah, well, Julie's going to be in the 90s one because they were already talking about going to the 90s next movie, which I thought was mind-bogglingly dumb. Like, why are we doing this decade thing still? Yeah. Um, but they're all also, in their 50s now. <laughs> yeah, they they all should look like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Fanka Jansen. Like, what's going on here? Everybody is going to need like a lump of clay on their face like Looper. Like, it's just not going to work by, <laughs> by that point. But they weren't going to do that anyway. But like, similarly, it was like, oh, we don't know if Jubilee is going to stick around for the next one. Oh, so, God. Then why is she here? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, um, man. The switch from trying to make quote unquote serious movies to pure fan service, like really like, it, I think it, it this ratchets is, up. Uh, yeah. And yeah. speaking of fan service, uh, are we, are we at, are we at Quicksilver Scott? Yes. Quicksilver still in the basement 10 years later. Huge bummer. Yeah. Very disappointing. Their insistence on making things take place decades after movies, but then yes. also put make those characters be in exactly the same spot as they were in the previous movie is baffling. Yeah, yeah. but not every character. Just yeah, Magneto gets a whole whole other movie's worth of shit. Like, don't worry about oh, it. Oh, that's whole true. Li- yeah, Magneto gets to live a whole life yeah. in those yeah, ten yeah. years. Quicksilver but- never left the basement. <laughs> yeah, like Magneto just leaves these like status quo families Ugh. like little backup families around the country just in case he needs a quick hit of tragedy like what's going and, and on yeah. like, what, what is this so like they're <laughs> the audience can accept some characters being in completely different circumstances but also for other characters they need to be almost exactly the same character as the last movie because it was right. so, so popular with fans everyone loved quicksilver so right. they're like he's got to still be in the basement uh it's i mean it was it's just so weird that like the kudos to the actors playing the mom for getting like a serious scene this time but like just kind of weird i guess like the tone again yeah no i mean they're just they're literally just it, it reminds me of like you know like when comedy movies make a sequel and they're like okay so these are the big laughs in the first movie so we're gonna just do those again mm-hmm. slightly different american pie did mm-hmm. it every time exact three like set piece jokes in every American pie. Right. Same thing with the hangover movies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what this reminds me of is like, well, we had the joke in the first one, so we're just going to do it again in this mm-hmm. one. So what, yeah. what do you, what do you, what do you two think of the, the sweet dreams? Uh, Quicksilver saving the students from the mansion as it's blowing up in the script. I remember it in all caps being an even more impressive Quicksilver sequence than last movie, cool. which is <laughs> just drink that in boys. I didn't realize I was doing a rule of four. That was pretty incredible, but it lives up to it. I, I would say like the thing that is interesting to me though, in the sequence is, and uh, again, I haven't listened to the, I haven't heard the last few episodes of the show, but uh, yeah. um, hearing your discussion of, of speedster effects and how they change over time. The thing that I thought was really notable in this Quicksilver sequence is like Quicksilver himself gets basically no effects like mm-hmm. on him. There's no like lightning or whoosh or like 
you know, there's no like stuff. There's no like particle effect. It's just him speed ramping. Right. And everything else around him is the impressive effect. Right. Which is, I don't know. It it seems a little backwards. Hmm. Interesting. But then I don't think there's any version of speed effects that I've ever been super impressed with. I would say the most impressive one is probably, I forget the kid's name, but in uh, Incredibles, Dash. Dash's oh, yeah. speed effect in Incredibles. Yeah. I love that. Like him running on the water um, is is like really like, oh yeah, that's what super speed would look like. I like this more than what they do in The Flash, which is like mm. he's in slow motion but also so is everyone else. And that for some reason means fast. Um, so like, I don't love that either. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there's room for finding a way to like, make this make sense in a really interesting way. I hope they do something really cool with the flash movie. They are Batman's in it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Michael Supergirl's Keaton. in it. Yeah. It's going to be very cool. A lot of Scott? other characters are in it. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope they do something cool with his powers also, but um, I will. Maybe he'll be in it too. I don't know. <laughs> I will say the, the the sweet dream sequence. I think it's fine. I like the timing factor of it with the 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 mansion blowing up, mm-hmm. which which we should mention comes because of the connection between Xavier and Apocalypse, and Apocalypse sets all of the nukes free into space. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then right. we shows up Oops. at Xavier Mansion, steals Xavier, and then Havoc is like, I'm gonna shoot him. And they're like, no, don't yeah. shoot him. And he's like, no, I'm going to shoot him. Live and stupid, they go- die stupid, bitch. Yeah, yeah, goes to shoot him. And then Apocalypse disappears and he blows up a energy reactor. Oh, well, he, I think I think it was the jet that he was, the Hank was working on. Oh, it's the jet. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he blows up the jet, which blows up the whole building. And he hits the experimental incomplete Blackbird jet that is clearly yeah, fueled up. We right. get, yeah, we get that. Hank McCoy is a genius. Yeah. That's, the, uh, <laughs> that's the scene where Hank and, and Raven are like, oh, so the X-Men just broke up, but I kind of want them to get back together. Right, uh, right. So what I do enjoy, that might be the coolest, because Apocalypse is supposed to be OP. He's supposed to be overpowered. Right. So him like sensing Charles and then being able to like hack Cerebro through Professor X's brain was like yeah. the only time I was like, oh yeah, like that's he, you know, this is apocalypse. And he tells he tells <laughs> he tells Havoc, wreck havoc, which is like wink. So Havoc wrecks havoc and then he wrecks havoc. Um, <laughs> he needed to check his yeah. havoc before he wrecked his havoc. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, on the topic on the topic of the sweet dream sequence though, my what I my favorite part is the cause and effect of like he sets everything up in slow motion yeah. and then when it speeds up you get to see how it all pays off yeah and so it gets that right it it's yeah it's you know i mean like the second time will that can never be as joyous as like the first time yeah but it's like a fun escalation but it does show that he has grown yes. as a character in the 10 years because in the last movie he's fucking with people and in this movie he's saving a bunch of kids mm-hmm. that's nice he yeah. even saves a goldfish that's nice yeah it gives that dog a slice of pizza or a beta fish. I don't know. Yeah, he gives that dog a slice of pizza. The only thing I will say is he is not being careful with anyone's necks. The entire <laughs> thing. And then when he goes to race out, is it Mystique? He yeah, then and does. He just grabs her neck and she's just like ragdolling <laughs> through space <laughs> yeah. later in the movie. It's like the funniest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Death Stranding 2, run harder. It's very funny. Oh, boy. He looks so silly. Yeah. And, and then Striker just randomly yay, shows up. Striker. Weapon X. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. 
And he just he just wa- he, he knocks everybody out, and then he walks through like a menu, like a, like a rich guy at a fancy restaurant. And he's like, "I want that one, and that one, and mm. I want that one. Mm. <laughs> Bag them up, boys. Let's go." Yeah, and uh, I, I shit, I shit you not, listeners. We go back to Alkali Lake. Yeah, we sure do. How could we not? What do we? How could we not? So this whole Alkali Lake sequence, this yeah. whole base sequence. Let's just talk about the whole thing together. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, because I feel like there's one moment in particular that we really want to talk about, but let's 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 right. try and talk about the, talk around it for a second. How do I even know? There's so much. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Quicksilver reveals that Magneto is in fact his father, which I don't think ever gets paid off in any real way. Right? Does he get paid Doesn't off in Dark him. Phoenix? I uh, I don't remember. Okay. I, that kind of tells you something, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. will find out when I listen to your episode. <laughs> oh boy! So he tells um, he tells Mystique, and then yeah. I had a fun time wasting two minutes on my phone, like looking up Evan Peters and Jennifer Lawrence's ages, and like <laughs> trying to like Whoa. wait, like how old, when, <laughs> where, what, who's supposed to be older in the movie, yeah. and you know, but it's whatever. That doesn't that shouldn't that shouldn't matter, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I really love the idea that Magneto is hunting Nazis, but takes takes a beat in like Illinois or wherever the hell Quicksilver lives. <laughs> Metal and lady. just like shows up in Illinois, goes to a bar, has a has a, a short relationship with some woman because impregnates it, her like with three children, I guess, <laughs> and then bails. Yeah, I I didn't clock the Quicksilver was like seventeen in Days of Future Past. I thought he was like twenty one, twenty two years old. At least it's yeah, really- and he's got the younger sister who's clearly supposed to be Wanda. So right. at some point, Eric had to have come back to check up. Well, we had like, we oh, had well, questions about the Wanda thing because ah. there is there's a moment where where the mom says, "Go bother your sister." to the little girl so there's another sister. So we oh, think weird. the other sister is Wanda, and the little girl might be Polaris. Well, that's even more confusing. Yes. Then. Okay. Sure. Well, all right. Great stuff. Uh, I think that's yeah. the motto of the X-Men series. As it came out of my mouth, I was like, what What are you talking about, buddy? Of course it is. Yeah. It's the X-Men. Hank forgot his meds and he's blue now. So yep. he drew the short straw. Jennifer Lawrence gets to last a little bit longer outside of the makeup chair. Yeah. 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 The, the, the green cell, the only, it only sometimes keeps her blue. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do we th- what do we think of beast in this movie i don't think he- i think he's on par i think it's a lateral move i don't think it's like a drop or a improvement yeah i don't think it's a drop from days of future past i think it's it's pretty lateral i do think the coloring is a little better maybe mm. um it feels a little darker in this one it's very pastel in days of future past mm-hmm. and this is a little little closer to like the dark sort of mystique colored blue that he was in, in first class, mm. which I preferred the color, but the makeup was atrocious. So mm-hmm. for sure, giveth and taketh away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Gene and Cyclops and Nightcrawler are exploring. And, right. uh, and so Michael, you were talking about uh, Sophie Turner having to really make some, some wonky lines work. And, uh, they like she's like i feel something oh man it's uh, like it's like a person it's like an animal they took away oh, they took away his humanity and made him some kind of weapon <laughs> anyway you, let's let him out <laughs> i wanted to ask in your research is there anything about like how late in the game they shot the Hugh Jackman stuff he revealed that he was in it before it had come out 
Mm. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if it was like a reshoot or part of the production proper, but it wasn't like a last minute surprise. He like knew that yeah. he was doing this. Huh. I it's think it's tra- really like- funny that Dark Phoenix is the only X-Men movie that Wolverine isn't in. Yeah. Yeah. He's in every other one. Come mm-hmm. hell or high water. Though, yeah. yeah I- that in the Deadpool movies. Right, right. Well, well, I mean, X Men. Oh, the team, 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 team. Yeah, movies. yeah, team, team, X Men movies. But uh, uh, yeah, so we get this Weapon X sequence, which I'll, I'll be honest, I like this as a retcon just because I, I think I prefer. It doesn't make any sense with the, with the Mystique being Striker in the last movie at the end. Um, I don't nope. understand that. I don't know where. I don't know. We never explain anything about that. But Did she let that happen. Right, but I like the fact that he has been we would assume in the weapon X program being tortured for 10 years and then escapes. That makes more sense in terms of like tragedy and like, wow, this really sucks. Wow. He really went through a lot versus the, the X-Men origins Wolverine movie where he's there for literally 20 minutes and then gone. <laughs> right. And it's, yeah. but, and yet has such a weight on him. Right, X Men. He's like, I keep flashing back to the nightmare of those twenty minutes that I was in that tank. Right. Well, and also the fact that he loses his memory after the events of Weapon, the Weapon X program in that movie. So none of that is messing with him at all. You know, like the torture that he went through. Yeah. Whereas now the Weapon X program is kind of the only thing he remembers, and I kind of like just like the pain and animalistic feelings yeah, of yeah. that feels more like oh okay now i can see how he would become who he is at the beginning of the x-men movies Mm -hmm. like what he lost what he was reduced to yeah but it is shot very poorly all of this weapon x stuff is bad just guys coming at him one at a time so it's just the least impressive wolverine fight you've ever seen in your life and it just like in the wake of you know we just got done talking about the wolverine a couple episodes ago Right. which had such terrific Wolverine action. Yes. And there's 2% chance that Brian Singer ever sat down and watched the Wolverine. Right. And so it just feels like the movie thinks it's finally delivering on this thing. Fans have always been wanting. And maybe I'm sure there's a lot of people who literally just wanted to see Hugh Jackman wearing the headset, but sure. this is like a mid tier Wolverine fight sequence. And like the movie stops dead for it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I don't get why. No, I don't get it. My either. impression of it was always that it was added like last. Yeah. Like effects for it weren't done by the time the first trailer came out. So, yeah. I, I, my, what the vibe I got was like they did this a test a screening and they had to just add all yeah. of this. And then, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you get Tyson. It is, it, is, it is very connected to the plot in a way of like it is how they get out of the That's building true. it's That's how they true. escape if it is a reshoot it's a very well done reshoot in terms of like structurally my my impression is like they were there they let him out it's like a shadow and some noise and then uh, they like continue the flick yeah so i don't know how much of that yeah interesting that would have been better cuz cuz i was watching it this time trying to see like okay and up to the point where Gene and Logan are actually on screen at the same time, I was like, oh, they never even met each other. And then there's like a full scene where they're all actually in the room together. And I was like, oh, you, shit, that throws away my fucking theory. Damn. You mean um, when, he, when he imprints huh. on her like Tyler Lowe? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Wow. I've just been listening to a bunch of Twilight commentaries from another podcast. And this yeah. is perfectly timed. It, it, yeah. I mean, again, like, are we living in a 
new timeline or is this going all leading to 2000 hey, you know but either way if wolverine's the quantum observer then yes it's all <laughs> wolverine's perspective yeah. baby but like, yeah it's super it's super weird to have an imprint onto like 17 year old gene or however yeah or, you know whatever that's supposed to be it's uh, all yeah. worth it for Scott saying, I hope we never see that guy again. <laughs> like, how oh, this the last we ever see that guy or whatever his line is? Yeah. Oh, you know, you know what I just remembered about uh, Cyclops' first scene in, in, in school is uh, a bully tells him, like, hey, Summers, quit looking at my girl. Yeah. And I thought, I thought mm-hmm. that, was, that, was, that was fun. Also, the bully gets the super embarrassing line, are you crying? I haven't even beat your ass yet. It's like... <laughs> yeah. God, I hope you get destroyed by a force blast. Uh, I, I'm on the laser beam side now. Shit. I also want to call it in the Weapon X sequence. Striker does my absolute favorite thing a villain can do mm-hmm. when things are going wrong, which he pulls the like Rick and Morty. I got to go take a shit. Like just like leaves. Like she's like, yeah. Oh, I got to go take. I, I'm out of here, boys. I got to go. Striker. Striker is just like, such a piece of shit in all of these movies, and it's kind like, of yeah. it's won me over. Yeah, this version of Striker. In this movie, I'm like, okay, this guy is the Brian Cox like ver- like the th- it's the most simpatico yeah. I get, where it's just like this guy is a weasel and he is gone. <laughs> I gotta go, boys. I love how much this actor looks like Stifler, and yes. and, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, let's get Stifler to play Striker. Let's play- <laughs> when I think of Brian Cox, a young Brian Cox, I think of Stifler from American Pie. <laughs> Okay, so then we move on to what is the final sequence of the movie, which is that Apocalypse plans to transfer once again into Xavier in order to... Because I guess every time he transfers, he takes the mutant abilities from that body into the new yeah. body. So he just keeps... Oh, yeah. Oscar Isaac's body, you, they saw him cut it open and then it healed. Right, so he has a healing factor from Oscar Isaac. And then when he transfers into uh, Xavier... The healing factor will, I presume, uh, heal Xavier's spine, but also he will gain Xavier's mental capacity. I'll be able to be inside everyone's brain, basically like erasing free will and just like controlling everybody. We will be apocalypse. Right. For a guy who doesn't like systems, he really wants to like upload a virus into everybody's brain that makes them identical. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess he just doesn't like our systems, but okay. Uh, so in order to do this, for some reason, they have to build a pyramid around it um, mm-hmm. because I like, I like I pyramids. A pyramid. Yeah. yeah, he just likes pyramids. I don't Look, know. Scott, how else will we know that Apocalypse has unparalleled mastery of particle effects? There is <laughs> yeah. there is no stronger mutant in the field of particle effects. He, to, to him, <laughs> he can turn anything what, into particles. That's just what you do when you like start a new project is you just build the you build a pyramid first. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we think about the black X-Men suits in this movie? The, oh, you mean the flight suits, Scott? Yeah, the flight suits. Yeah, the yeah. Weapon X suits. Um, yeah. They suck and I hate them and I hate the plane. And like they literally blew up like the room that had the real X-Men suits, the real X-Men plane in it earlier so they could do this dumb shit. Like, yeah. I hate it. But uh, that's just me. You got your war plane. <laughs> Let's go to war. <laughs> I Good on, good on, Rose, good on Rose Byrne for getting to wear two uh, era suits because she, she got her like yellow 60s suit. That's true. She got a fly suit. Yeah. There was no 70s suit. There should have been. This plane has like the weirdest for people who aren't at home, who aren't going to watch this movie and God bless you. um, The plane (laughs) has the absolute weirdest articulated wings leftover hunger games, like visual asset design. I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen in a while. Like it doesn't make any sense for 1983. 
Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. That it doesn't seem like it's in the eighties at all. Uh, it's, n- it looks like an actual blackbird. Nor do their, their flight suits. However, <laughs> uh, there's a scene on the plane that is one of my favorite scenes of the movie, and points to like evidence of them attempting to make this like a trilogy capper that started with first class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the plane, and Mystique is like, "Hey, this kind of reminds me of when I was on a plane with my friends." And because Jean's like, oh, I'm so scared. And she was like, I was scared, too. I was like, I sucked back in 63. I had no powers. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, yeah, she's she wasn't. She couldn't. She wasn't kicking people or flipping over and stuff. And they're like, well, what happened to them? And (laughs) Hank and Raven are like, oh, they're all dead. (laughs) We're the only ones left. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, they're all dead. And there's something kind of poignant. I always thought, oh, they did first class dirty and whatnot. But there's something poignant about the very first team of X-Men. Almost none of them last that much longer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It added some poignancy. And like when Raven's like, you know what? I think I'm going to I'm not a kid anymore. These are the kids. And it's my job now to be a mentor to them like Charles and Eric were to me. And it's like, okay, yeah, like there's effort here to make all this circle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it it works. I mean, literally one of the major X-Men catchphrases is, you know, welcome to the X-Men. I hope you survive the experience. So, like, (laughs) the fact that, like, so many of them are dead, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, okay, they didn't survive the experience, I guess. (laughs) We lost our last one uh, in this movie with Havoc blowing himself up. The the funny thing of that scene, I will say, though, is like, Hank and I are the only two left. And also Moira, but she doesn't remember. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up with her. Uh, (laughs) She was there, too, but it's... It's fine. Don't, it's fine. don't tell her. It might break her brain or something. Um, yeah, the black suits also very much remind me of again, like Brian Singer. It, it's like it's like the modern equivalent of the leather jumpsuits from the first movie. Of like, mm-hmm. we can't put them in bright colors. They we got to figure out a new like a modern version of like those black leather suits. Even the apocalypse horseman suits are very in the school of like black leather. Yeah, Days of Future Past. Yeah. Horseman designs are so boring. They're like molded plastic. It's bad. I mean, I I think this might be Magneto's. This might even be worse than the first class suit that he's wearing at at the last scene. It's his worst helmet by far. It's his absolute worst helmet. And I don't even like the McKellen hats. Like, I think those hats are pretty bad. But Mm -hmm. this one with the stupid, like, filigree crap on it is is terrible. Um, Like the hood ornament. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, we get uh, (laughs) Raven and. His Gundam antenna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh. very anime. Uh, <laughs> so we get Quicksilver and Raven trying to talk sense to Magneto, and we get the weirdest, like, why did you even bring it up with, like, the dad stuff? Like, there's no reason for him not to be like, I'm your son, dude. But, like... Yeah, there, there's that weird moment where he, she's like, you have more family than you know, and it's like... <laughs> What? And he's standing right here. He's your son. Just say it. Like, it's just, <laughs> just like, what are, yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are you holding back from? You do have a family, Eric. You yeah. abandoned them would, like decades ago. All now. it would do is fulfill his arc. That's like, that would have been fine of like, oh, he thought his family was dead, but he had a son he didn't even know about. And that gives him yeah. the inspiration to not be an asshole. I don't know. Cause like, yeah. What, what, yeah. what does it now in the movie? It's what's, what changes inside of him? Is it just seeing, Raven getting choked out like I can't remember well yeah so it's it's this thing with Apocalypse as a character because like the thing that like makes him stand I re- went back and read like some of his like first appearance issues like, oh, good in, on in X Factor and which were really good by the way that 80s I've never run read that 80s run of X Factor before it's really good nice. um, I was surprised but that it, it's, is that the one they're pretending to be like the mutant terminators yes too? 
Yep. That stuff rules. Yeah. That stuff's great. I read that when I was a kid. Um, I was like, I was surprised. Yeah. They, they find mutants, Nick, by claiming that X Factor is a, a mutant hunting organization. So they're, mm. so like the racists call them up and they'll be like, there's a mutant in my town. You got to take care of it. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll take care of them all. We'll right. take care of like, it. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> yeah. They're like, right, right this way, sir. Like, <laughs> it's I'm like gonna, leverage. We're going to teach you how it. to be a mutant. So in that, he's the big bad of that series. And, his whole thing and the thing that differentiates him from from Magneto is that Magneto is like we are the next evolutionary step to humanity. We are superior to them. And Apocalypse is like we are superior to them, but we could be gods as long as we kill all the humans and all of the weak ass mutants. And Magneto's like no, all mutant kind is precious and you can't do that, but his whole thing is survival of the fittest. So what they're doing here in this last scene of him just being very like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Right. Like, and oh, fuck it, you too. Like Angel gets like both of his bag legs broken and he's like, oh, you weak piece of shit. Yeah, Smoke yeah. Smoke up, That's- Johnny. <laughs> That's his survival of the fittest thing, but they never just come out and say it. So it ends up just being like this weird fan service thing instead of like what could be a plot point where mm-hmm. he's saying that and Magneto's like, no, that's not cool. Fuck you. I'm, 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 I, I was betraying them. Right. You know, like, like there, that, there that, could have been a very clean way of doing this. And instead they muddled it all up. Yeah. Like so much of the movies has been about. Where, placing Eric and Charles on two poles and like how do these two characters react to each other why do they call out BS on the other one and to introduce someone who's even more of a supremacist than or with even a more militant ideology than Eric right for him to be like oh I think I kind of see where Charles is from where like it's not just about we deserve or strong versus weak it's about right. peace right but we don't get a lot right. of that no we do get a Nightcrawler Angel rematch Right. Uh, Angel versus Devil 2, baby. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's what everyone Which was is... murmuring to themselves at midnight. Everybody just... at home was calling it Angel versus Devil 2 and not just <laughs> me in an office. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. You going to see Apocalypse uh, this weekend? Angel versus Devil. They're finally doing Angel it. Angel versus Devil, the rematch. <laughs> also the original match. They're both in the same movie. <laughs> yes. We good. get not Apocalypse good. versus Quicksilver versus Mystique. Apocalypse versus Quicksilver, very similar to the Flash versus Superman in Zack Snyder's uh, yeah. Justice League. Very, yeah, the eye thing. I was like, yes. whoa, this is freaking me out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very similar. Very similar. And then, yeah, Mystique gets choked out, and then Magneto's like, I'm going to throw two beams. I'm going to make an X just to show, like, I'm back, baby. Mm. Like, <laughs> Here it is. Here it comes. All right, so I'm reading this script, right? Got it. Yeah. And all the things we've been talking about have happened. Magneto drops one beam. Magneto drops the other beam. And then there is a line break. And in all caps is just written, the two greatest villains in the X-Men universe face off. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you fucking, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, there's nothing to do with these movies. Like, literally in all caps. The two greatest villains in X-Men history. That's what it is. The two greatest villains in X-Men history. Face off. And I'm like, for what? 15 minutes of a movie? What are you talking about? Yeah. And, and they it, literally have less than a page's worth of fight. And that, like, it's, that really speaks into what you were saying earlier about the fan service side of things. Mm-hmm. Of, well, we don't need, exactly. to, we don't need yes. to make this mean something in the context of the movie. The fans just want 
Storm to have a mohawk. They want mm-hmm. Wolverine versus or, or Magneto versus Apocalypse. So we're just going to make that happen, and they'll think that it's cool by itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. The, the 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 ethos of the the filmmakers has changed too. Um, oh, the, whoever doesn't understand it, they've got a fucking nerd friend who'll explain it to them. They right. they know some some loser who's into right. this shit who can explain right. it to them. Eh, whatever. Oh, that's why. This and is we cool. keep making the money. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like it's. Yeah, they are they are accepting that the transitive property of someone explaining why something is cool will make the thing cool, uh-huh. which is yeah, absolute misery, it's, like it's, total abandonment of the work. It's also it's a trap that I think some of the DC movies fall into sometimes where it's like, isn't it crazy that Superman and Batman are in this new situation? It's like, I, this is actually my first time seeing a movie, dude. I don't know what this is supposed to mean. What's <laughs> this art? dark side guy's wild. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I mean, I do, but a lot of people yeah. at home probably don't. <laughs> right, right. Like, Yeah, so so Charles loses his hair in the process of like almost becoming right. apocalypse. <laughs> it's one of the worst. It's like CG hair, right? Yeah. It looks weird. Yeah. It just disappears. Question. As the only person in this room has seen Dark Phoenix, Nick, have you seen Dark Phoenix? I have. Okay. <laughs> Does he have hair again? No, in Dark Phoenix. You know he's bald. He, he's bald. He's in bald Dark the Phoenix. whole time. Yeah. He. He. Yeah. I will say I was watching this and I and, and and he loses his hair and I was like, I bet he filmed Split right after this. Oh, good call. Yeah. And then I thought, if he doesn't have hair in Dark Phoenix, I bet he shot Glass right after that. <laughs> well, time to be bald. <laughs> I gotta do my bald movies. <laughs> Beep, boop, boop. M Night, I've got great news. I've booked another bald flip. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm gonna give this movie props for doing one thing that I think is cool. I think it's completely unearned in the moment, mm-hmm. but it is a cool connection, like thread connection to pull, which is that. After Xavier and and Apocalypse have their like psychic throwdown, right? Where Xavier where, where Xavier's like, I'm gonna beat you, and then Apocalypse gets big and then just like beats the shit out of him. <laughs> he tells Jean Grey, release Wreak the fucking Kraken. Like, get, <laughs> get, get to fucking work. Right, and so yeah. she's like, okay. So she steps out. First cool shit she does is just step out into open air like Indiana that Jones shit. and Last I Crusade. I literally just wrote in my notes, this gene shit rules. Yeah, it's yeah. just like walking out of the, the, the yeah. fucking air. I'm like, so, this holds up. It's dope. I love it. So she steps out and then blows like Phoenix, right? And just blows out Phoenix. And then like you see the Phoenix power and the whole thing. And she's just shredding, right? And then Apocalypse just sees it and says all is revealed and then dies. And then you're like... Oh, because he realized he was a false god and that da- the phoenix is god. That is the mutant god that he thought that he was. That is dope as shit. Yeah. That fucking rules. I love that. It's completely unearned in this movie, but it fucking <laughs> rules as a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of Apocalypse's death is so buck wild. Yes. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. What he, the he, fuck he, he dies like four times in like 10 seconds. Ooh, hell yeah. Hell he like yeah. turns into Doug Jones's skull for half a second. Like yeah. it's crazy yeah. the amount of shit they do to this. And guy. you're oh, and you're both right. Like Sophie Turner is selling it. You're just so dialed in with Jean because she's been so like walking on eggshells with herself, which is kind of the story of this character. Just when like the cerebro doors open and her silhouette resolves, it's like oh yeah. shit! And like it, they they nail it. it. It really makes me think of like if this movie had done what it was trying to do of like really making you fall in love with this new generation. Like imagine caring about Gene in the way that you care about Ray at the end of Force Awakens. You know, where yes. like mm. that much of an arc where it's like let go, do your thing, gloves are off. 
you know? Yeah. Well, same with Scott. Like if you were as invested as Scott as you were with like fan in force awakens, right? Like the thing that I love in the movie is, is about their relationship at least, which I don't think the movie nearly pays off enough is that they're both like the most destructive forces on campus, arguably. And like that being the center of their connection and potentially that feeding into their later timidness is just like, Oh cool. You're never going to do anything with any of that. Great. Thanks. Yeah. If you had focused this movie so that it was a story about a really powerful like new baby mutant at this school that everyone in the school is terrified of because like her nightmares fucking shake the foundation of the school and everyone's like hey it's okay but like everyone is terrified of her and then also you're dealing with this other dude who thinks he's a fucking god he's immortal he's doing this whole thing and you are spending equal time with both of these things that reveal at the end that she's the actual god would have blown the roof off of this fucking movie. But instead we spend so little time with her in this movie that it does feel unearned. And the only reason that it fucking rules as hard as it is, is because we all know and love Jean Grey at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, But that's the only, that's the only reason it works, but it it fucking rules. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I've been complaining about fan service this whole time, but like that piece of fan service shot me right in the brain. And I was like, yes. Yeah. It gave me exactly what I wanted. And not for nothing, but it shows, even now, after this movie that we've been harping on, that like there was gas in the tank going into Dark Phoenix. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Because yeah. like, imagine the, bottling all that emotion and then saying like, "Oh, by the way, we're doing Dark Phoenix again, but with that gene that you just fell in love with, and yes. th- this Cyclops and whatnot." Yes, absolutely. Anyway, mm-hmm. the moral <laughs> of the sto- the moral of X Men oh, well. Apocalypse is there's always a bigger fish. Yes. Um, that's, oh, that's, no, uh, we forgot about the, the great ending of this movie, uh, and now they're the X-Men. Yeah, and now they're the, now they're the so X-Men. So let's Charles. <laughs> yeah, Charles gives Moira her, pow- her, her memories back. She seems completely unbothered that she lost them for 20 years. In she fact, has one tear. Yeah, in it's fact, great. she's just like, oh, finally I get to have sex with Charles Xavier. That seems to be the, her vibe more so <laughs> than, how dare you violate me in this personal way. Um, she's like, let's make a spinoff. It's called Legion, baby. Yeah. Smooching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get uh we get oh Magneto and Gene rebuilding the mansion. Yeah, that was so cool. 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 It was cool. Okay. However, okay. whenever shit like this happens, whenever the Flash does it or Superman does it, I'm always like, okay, but they're not an architect. Yes, they can <laughs> move quickly or they can do, but they're not an architect. They need to understand how these things work in order to do them. <laughs> Charles is like, no, no, what are you doing? It's not no. You need a structural is, beam. <laughs> Eric's like, everything's up to Polish code. Don't worry. I studied all the code over the last 10 years. What? All the signs are unfortunately in Polish. Sorry, Charles. He's like, I don't understand any of this. Yeah, we get McAvoy saying the line, I, I, I feel oh sorry gosh. for anyone who comes to my school uh, looking for trouble. A great swell um, of They inaugurate, like, apparently a conversation they just have every couple of years. They're like, <laughs> we're going to have this conversation at this exact same one every couple of years, mm-hmm. man. Sounds yeah. good. Peace. It, later. It's there always. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's there. May the force be with you. They have an extremely long to scene. Yeah. See, they, they, cut, like, they cut the scene right after he says it. You know, as old men, but right after he says it, he goes, he does finger guns and just like, ah. Remember that shit? Remember that from 83? Remember, Remember that, man? Oh, they're, yeah. they're, 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 like, they're pushing the chair away, and then like Patrick Stewart kind of turns around and goes, finger guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he does one of those little <laughs> backwards <laughs> twirls that McAvoy does earlier. Oh, I, did, oh, I forgot was, to mention. That was pimp. Yeah, when he's like doing yeah. it backwards, yeah. talking to Hank. Yeah, that McAvoy's was cool. mastery of the chair in this movie is incredible. He's just zipping and bipping around in that thing. It's I really, really good. And then we get. 
We get the comic suits. Yeah, yeah. And we also get McAvoy's exit, which kind of is like, this doesn't feel like even they think this is his last time being Eric. Yeah. Like, mm. I, I don't know. But the yeah. Uh, so I don't think I love anyone's <laughs> suit. Okay. I don't think any so, of them worked for me. So so I do like Mystique just being like, all right, you fucking pig-sucking pieces of shit. Like, okay. <laughs> Everything that you learned is wrong. Bullshit. Preschool bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to fuck you, you up gr- through Sunday. <laughs> you know how you all did great work in Sepia Town, Egypt? Forget that shit. We're starting from scratch. It's like, where? These sentinels oh. are going to beat your ass. You're going to be crying to your mama. <laughs> Only she doesn't accept you because you're a mutant. <laughs> I'm your mama now, and I'm a terrible mom. Ask Nightcrawler. What? What? Like everyone except Nightcrawler, every and Storm. Yeah, I I don't know. It's like where have you come all from? All the suits are bad. I'm with you on that. I I think they're all like leftover shit from Iraq. Okay, so I I'll defend. I will say that they were on the right track with Mystiques. I like mm, the white. I like, yeah, the white yes. in the center of like, we're hinting at the tunic that she wears in the comics. Obviously, she's not actually going to wear that because that's stupid in a, in a movie that would look weird, mm-hmm. but we're hinting at it. Okay. Com- yeah. In yeah. In the comics, she had a similar kind of paneled white middle panel outfit too, if I remember right, right around this time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right around like this the time. Okay, yeah. had something cool. looking like that too, if I remember right. And I like Nightcrawlers. I'll be... Mm. I like Nightcrawler's outfit. Is it, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, is it red? I can't. Is it, it's blue, right? It's, it's like black and red. It's got like red highlights okay. on it. It looks just like the one from that he wears in the comics, just like okay. modernized, you know. Maybe it's yeah. more the texture because they all look kind of Power Ranger movie suit to me. That, that's true. Jean Grey's is bad. Cyclops is like, Cyclops is like hard to look at. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's just hard to look it's at. It's like he's wearing a box. Yeah. I think all of them have like the Colleen Atwood problem, which is like he took a cool drawing and then you added 400 seams. Yes. A hexagon texture. Yes. Um, 16 zippers. Yes. And, and like the heaviest possible fabric you could find. Like right. it's, it's the tick thing. We're like in tick season one, like Arthur's suit is like awful and looks like no human being would enjoy wearing it. And then in season two, magically it's been streamlined into something that actually looks like a human would wear it. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but it's okay. I mean, our, our opinions on these suits don't matter because <laughs> they're gone. They're gone. Turtlenecks, baby. Yeah. And, and dark. <laughs> it's out. Yeah. They're back to the matching kind of Grant Morrison uniforms. Yeah. We'll never see them again. So yeah. Uh, some earnest performances. Mm-hmm. I think mm. even, even Jennifer Lawrence is t- still a, you know, I mean, it's like diminishing returns each movie, unfortunately. And then we get the post credit scene with the ex- Essex Corp dudes showing up yeah. at the at the lab, taking Wolverine's DNA and bailing. And this, what's interesting about that scene is that it was simultaneously setting up two movies and then in doing so kind of just didn't set up either one. But it was supposed to set up Logan because they were taking the DNA to make X-23. Okay, fair. But I don't think Essex Corp are in Logan. I think it's another corporation that has X-23 in that. If they um, even name it. Yeah, if they even name it in that in that movie. And then it was also setting up the fact that Mr. Sinister was the original villain of the New Mutants uh, movie, which there's a whole story behind that that we'll get into when we cover New Mutants. It was going to be a completely different movie with a completely different main character. And dare I say, it, it, it sounded rad as hell, but... 
you know, when leadership changes at Fox, so does every creative decision they've ever had. Uh, but that was what that was. That's what that was supposed to set up. And then in doing so, ended up not mm-hmm. not setting up either one of them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so it was X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, at the time, it was the lowest grossing X-Men movie domestically. I believe it's the final. So far, it's the final film of Brian Singer that he wasn't like kicked off. The last movie he completed, technically. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm. That's true. Yeah, because it was like. Wow. That's right. Because the Rhapsody thing. Yeah. Yeah, because after this, he does Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's it. Yeah, it does like 25% of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. 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 Because even the Gifted pilot, I think, was before this. I think. Oh, I forgot about that. I don't know. You might be right. That's right. Yeah. He directed, he directed the pilot. That. Yeah. He was wow. he was big on directing pilots because of all that house money he made. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's great money. There's plenty of directors who go just into directing pilots. Like yeah. become big for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was so, one of those guys. Well, Cuz you get um you retain credit for the rest of the show too. Like you get sometimes you can argue right. like a creator credit on that. It's wild. Right. Executive producer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so that's Apocalypse. Woo. Yeah. What a movie. A lot of half measures, a lot of half steps, questionable intentions in terms of like making a disaster movie starring the X-Men. Yeah. Yes. And just the whole, uh, like a lot of questionable creative decisions. Why yeah. are, why are we still skipping decades? Like, I think that know, alone is, you know, they rushed out to make the sequel because of how much money days of future past made. And I think two years is not enough time. You know, I mean, they even, they even took three years to, between X-Men and X2. It was three years. And then this, they just turned it around in two years. And it's like, this needed to cook longer. This was not ready for prime time, guys. Like, this needed another year of development before you guys shot it. Because um, it's rough. It's a rough time, for sure. It's a rough it needed time. some extra render time, too. I got to well, tell you, yeah. some of the effects are a little... Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that bit where, where Mystique and uh, Quicksilver trying to convince yeah. Magneto to, to quit it. Like, the stuff floating behind Magneto is like... Or behind Mystique, I'm like... Oh, wow. Well, and everything with Psylocke looks awful in this. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, we forgot to mention, (laughs) she gets like an amazing, like walking away from the movie and then just like stops, is framed by fire and then walks away. It's like, what? What? (laughs) Where is she she going? (laughs) She moves through like two album covers and then exits the movie. It's it's so wild. It's crazy. Yeah, I I had had the thought, uh, and I want this to be the last thing we (laughs) said. I I was thinking because she's good in the action stuff. I was like, oh, Olivia Munn would be a good addition to the Fast Family. Oh, she would. Ooh. That's a really good call. Yeah, yeah, she's, man, she's, that's really good. Great. Yeah, I I feel really bad because like Olivia Munn is is somebody that back in the Attack the Show days, yeah. like G four. I fucking hated her. Like I I really did, and it's because mm. I didn't know that she was an actress playing a character on that show. Mm. She was playing a character of like this person who hates nerds and is like constantly making fun of them. Her like, um, her like her banter with Kevin Pereira being kind of like the nerdy guy. Yeah. Yeah. I always mm. thought like, Oh, that's who she is. That sucks. Why would they bring her on this? Not realizing that she was playing a role, you know? Sure. And then later, like you see her like, w- you know, working with scripts from Aaron Sorkin, you know, all of these other things. And you're like, Oh, actually she's a really good actress and I like her a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I feel bad, but, um, oh, so it anyway, goes. Uh, so it goes, uh, uh Michael's so apocalypse. Thanks for Mike, being yeah. on the show. Yeah. A lot Absolutely. Of insight. Thank you for having me. Yes. I, uh, I, I'm sure I 
rambled more than enough, uh, maybe too much. Uh, and thank you for letting me. <laughs> well, if they uh, want to well, hear you ramble about things some more, where where can they find you? Oh, yes, please. Um, uh, join uh, myself and some other fantastic uh, role-playing game players at uh, Rassilon Pod. You can find us at Rassilon Pod on the various socials media. Uh, the Game of Rassilon, uh, Doctor Who RPG podcast is one of the myriad names of the thing. It's very long. Uh, <laughs> it's myself and a bunch of great people uh, telling our own Doctor Who stories. Um, yeah, uh, most recently, uh, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, by September we'll be releasing our version of Human Nature on the main feed, which was very exciting to do. Uh, and Paul Cornell didn't hate. So, wow. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Very cool. Uh, I'm shocked. I got to GM that one, so it was a pretty fun experience. Um, just I, I, I kind of readapted the whole thing as like an American story around uh, 1916 and sort of moved it for our sensibilities um, and changed the location to New Jersey, a bunch of other stuff. I'm rambling too much. Um, join <laughs> yeah. us, uh, please. Uh, it's very fun. Um, yeah. And again, go. thank you for having me. We're big Doctor Who fans, so we'll definitely try and check that out. Of course. Oh, please. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoy it. And Logan is next. Next up is Logan. Yes. Yes. Cool. So a lot of laughs. Ooh, snicked. Yeah, a lot of laughs in that one. Uh, <laughs> we've got Guys, that. Did you? I don't know if you know this, but Logan is secretly a Western. Is ah. it? Wow. Did you, did, do you know that? No, I, I've never I heard, heard that. that once. Not one time. Um, I hear I hear that sometimes. <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, did you also hear that they originally wanted it to be black and white? <laughs> okay. Well, every movie. Did was they? Originally or was that later? <laughs> did they? <laughs> Depends on what marketing you're reading. I just pictured uh, like I think they wanted it to be sepia. But <laughs> I just pictured a Logan poster where it's like Logan leaning into the like left of the poster, looking at the cam- camera, being like, whoa, and then Daphne Keen on the other side, like, 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 I'm the, and then like Logan is like in crayon. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The pursuit of Logan. Like a Robin Williams uh, movie from sense. the 90s. <laughs> That's good. He's got a kid. <laughs> Jack 2, Logan. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a Patreon. It's duelinggenre.com slash support. If you want to support us over there, we'd appreciate it. If we get across 100 patrons, we're going to start doing a, a bonus feature podcast within each mini series that we do um, where we talk about some tangentially related uh, movie to the franchise that we're covering at that po- at that point. Um, that's duelinggenre.com slash support. You get three bonus podcasts a week. That's a big deal, right? That's a lot of content. So check that out. Duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, join our Discord. The link is in the show notes. And f- of course, follow us on Twitter and all social media at Franchiseography. And send us your X-Men franchise memories. And we will read them on our next between episode uh, coming uh, right at the end of this uh, this miniseries, I guess in September. That is Franchiseography at DuelingGenre.com. Or you can just message us on, on Twitter or whatever. Just get it to us somehow. Now and we'll 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 find it and read it on the show. Uh, thanks if so you, much for if listening. You get to hundred, oh, what's that? If you get to hundred, if you get to hundred followers, does that mean you two are going to have to watch the Generation X TV movie? I don't know. Depends on if we're done with this by that point. Um, oh, we got to get all right, everybody. We got to get into hundred fast because that thing is nuts, <laughs> and I, I want these two to suffer. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye, mutant and proud. Bye.